Hello, everybody, and welcome to Reap the Spoils. I'm Mark Sullivan. I'm Delilah Lugo. I'm Jason Kwasnicki. And today, we are going to be talking about the 1994 film The Mask, starring Jim Carrey and Cameron... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> Delilah, what game I get it. <laughs> because Atreus and... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that soon. Delilah, what are we talking about? What game? What's the name of the game? God of War Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, so reap the spoils, monthly spoiler cast, where we pick a game, we play that game, and then we come here and we talk to each other about it, oftentimes for a really long time. Uh, if you have not played the game that we're talking about, which is the game Delilah just said, God of War Ragnarok, it's also in the title of the episode. If you've not played God of War Ragnarok, I strongly implore you, I beg you, pause the episode, go play God of War Ragnarok, then come back and listen to us spoil it for you. If you really don't want your first experience with this game uh, to be playing it, I mean, I don't know why. It, it was a pretty good game. Like, I enjoyed it. I, I, I would suggest you go play it before you hear us talk about it. But, like, we're going to spoil the whole damn thing. So uh, continue at your own risk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably also kind of talk about the older games as well. Yeah, we're going to talk about God of War 2018. We did an episode on God of War uh, 2018 uh, in 2020. We, we recorded an episode on that. It's in the Reap the Spoils back catalog. So if you have not listened to that episode or played that so, game, go play that game and listen to that episode too. Yeah, can we, can we establish ground rules here for talking about the events of 2018 and also the original trilogy? Because some of it is very well, relevant here. Yeah, what well, we yeah, will, yeah we're, there's probably going to be light spoilers about the original trilogy. Probably not to the extent that was in the God of War 2018 episode that we did. Um, just because there's not that much to bring up. Well, um, basically, God of War Ragnarok spoils the events of those games or mentions them. Yeah, like, you know, a lot of that stuff's going to come up. So, like, I mean, if you, look, I can't I can't imagine that you're here listening to this episode of Reap the Spoils on God of War Ragnarok and ha this being your first God of War game and that you haven't played 2018 um, tw at the very least, right? Like, 2018, yeah. I, I feel, is required playing to enjoy Ragnarok to its fullest. So, yeah, once again, if you haven't played it, pause here, go play that, and then Ragnarok, and then listen to both our episodes the one on we did on 2018 and the episode we're recording and, and you know you're listening to right now this one on god of war ragnarok <laughs> um and yeah well, there'll be light spoilers on the original trilogy the original games uh because some of that stuff does come up but like i can't imagine we're gonna bring up you know stuff from those games to the extent that we brought up in 2018 they don't they don't play as much importance in this game as they did in that one but like it helps to have played those so you've been warned thoroughly about what you should have played by now and what we're going to spoil. I should hope that none of this comes as a significant surprise to any of you listening. We Are we good now? Yes. <laughs> have we given sufficient warning? Cool. Awesome. Uh, the only other thing that I want to bring up right at the top of the episode is if you are a long time Reap the Spoils listener, we really appreciate your support. We would appreciate it so much more infinitely more to to the stars and beyond if you would uh rate and review the show if you listen on apple podcast rate and review the show uh like it on youtube whatever you know share and share the show with people you know it really helps us grow and the feedback that we've gotten i've gotten some feedback recently it's been invaluable it's been really helpful and it really 
makes me feel good to know that people are listening, are engaging. And yeah, that, that, that continues to be something that I look forward to. Yes. So yeah, with all that being said, are we ready for a, a history lesson, a brief history lesson on God of War Ragnarok? Mm-hmm. Jason, yes. you ready? Yes. Okay. Okay. This I actually story. have something to add at the end. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Wow. Okay. All right. Here we go. All aboard the history train for God of War. Ra- all aboard the history. I don't know. Uh, steed. The history wolf. Whatever animals uh, people ride and what are those things? You know the the, the things that the uh, Einherjar would ride on. You know. What I I'm forget what about? they're called. Yeah. I forgot I what really they're called. In, I know in, what you're in the about. game or mythology. No, in the game. Well, I guess in mythology too, but in the game. I can't well, remember their name. They, they, ran, they beam down through the Bifrost in the game. Yeah, but I don't know. But they also there were there were also enemies that they rode on. All right, never mind. We'll get we'll talk about it later. Oh, um, oh, oh, yes. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about now. Yes. It was a bad joke. It was a horrible transition. Let's just get into the history lesson. Okay, so God of War 2018 obviously came out in 2018, not 2017, not 2019, but in 2018 on April 20th, the National Marijuana Day. Um. <laughs> I don't think Kratos was high on that day, but, you know, could have been hiding something in that beard. Um, but anyway, that game released to widespread critical acclaim. It won. I think he was high. He was very suspicious of everybody in that game. <laughs> uh, that, that game, that game uh, largely won Game of the Year awards at, across so many outlets, including the, the, the big one, the Jeff Keighley Game Award. Lottie Dottie, who gets the Gotti? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is a direct quote, by the way, folks, from um, Jeff Kaplan of Blizzard Games, formerly. Uh, okay. <laughs> very, very good. Very cool. Um, so, yeah, God of War 2018, really well-liked game. Go listen to our episode if you want to hear our thoughts on it. Um, at the time, uh, they, they were te- they were there were some teases coming out about the, 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 the next game. There was... Um, uh, a God of War theme that came out for PS4 that had written on Norse runes on the side of the boat, Ragnarok is coming. And then Corey Barlog, the game director for God of War 2018, put out this Twitter thread talking about the development of the game. And a lot of people clued into the fact that in that Twitter thread, each tweet began with letters and the people took those letters and put them together and saw that they wrote out Ragnarok is coming. So like they were all being really cheeky about teasing the supposed untitled sequel to God of War 2018. Um, and it was teased in 2020. Uh, there was a the, 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 some people might remember this about 2020 other than, you know, there was a fucking pandemic that began that year and made that year a pile of shit for everybody. Um, there was a PS5 showcase because the PS5 was revealed and it was coming out that fall. And in that PS5 showcase, there was a teaser for the next God of War. And all it had was the the the, the symbol and then just a tagline, Ragnarok is coming. So we still didn't know technically what the title of the game was for quite some time. And there was a there was a year attached to that teaser. 2021. Spoilers, that game did this game did not come out in 2021. <laughs> you know, we we all just played it. It all just came out uh, you know, this past month. You didn't miss it for a year. It did not release when they initially expected it to release. Neither did a lot of games. Um you know, they prophesied that it would release, but it did. <laughs> there was a <laughs> prophecy, but they defied it. 
Um, we actually didn't find out the official name of this game officially uh, for about a year. That the, the title of the game and like actual footage of the game was revealed a year later on September 9th, 2021, and another in the, the the following PlayStation showcase. Um, so and then it was revealed to be God of War Ragnarok, which you know everyone assumed it would be. Like everyone was pretty sure it was going to be God of War Ragnarok. Yeah, kind of would have been weird if it wasn't. Specifically um, because they confirmed they were only doing two games, not a trilogy. Yeah, and they they did they did confirm that at some point because uh, the way Corey Barlog put it was it took five years to make God War God of War twenty eighteen, and it took five almost five years to make God of War Ragnarok. He didn't want to tell. They didn't want to tell us the story over a ten to fifteen year period. Right. Um. So they wanted this to be the final the, the final act of that story and not make people have to wait another five years for the conclusion. They wanted to conclude it now. Um, and we'll talk about that conclusion very shortly. Uh, so, yeah, the game, the game obviously was hit with lots of delays. There were lots of issues with the pandemic and uh, there were also uh, some health issues with Christopher Judge, I think, involving his back. I believe he had to get back surgery or something. Christopher Judge being the actor who plays Kratos. And, and that's not just voice acting. That's also mocap. So there's lots of physicality involved there. Um, so he tried to put, you know, put some of the blame on himself, but everyone was super supportive of that. Whatever. Corey Barlog had this very staunch approach where whenever people asked him, hey, when's the game coming out? He would say when it's done or when it's ready, something along those lines. Uh, and the game eventually did come out on November 9th, 2022 for both the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 5. Also of note was that Corey Barlog was not the game director for this one. I was he just was, about to. That was part was, of my. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, he 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 needed a break. <laughs> he uh, he took on a creative director role and a producer role and did not was not the primary director of this game. This game was actually uh, primarily directed by Eric Williams, who uh, has worked on the God of War series before. I believe he also he 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 specialized in combat for a long time. I believe some of his other credits were um, with uh, Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. A game which was uh, widely uh, lauded for its combat, one of the few things that people uh, did like about yeah, it's that kind game. Of, it's kind of a cult classic. In yeah. Sense, yeah. Um. So yeah, Eric Williams was the was the primary director of this of this of this game. So. And Jason, <clears throat> is that the only thing you wanted to add, or was there something? No, else? I I did I did want to specifically point out that Corey Ball. Barlog did not I always want to say Balrog Barlog did not direct the game it was directed by somebody else Um, and the three criterion the the only three points that Corey Barlog gave to this guy was I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit but this is just context for later let me give the last spoiler okay wait 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 before you continue I'm going to bleep that I'm going to say Everyone, if you have not played God of War Ragnarok, please pause the episode. Sorry. If you don't want to be, if you don't want us to spoil it, pause the episode, go play the game, then come back and listen to the rest of the episode. This is your final warning. We are going to spoil God of War Ragnarok. Final warning. That's it. Okay, Jason, go ahead. Okay, so the three directives that were given from Corey Bar- Barlog was Atreus has to leave, Brock has to die, Ragnarok has to happen. And that was... Yeah. That was the only three solid things that was given to him. Also worth noting, God of War 2018, to the best of my knowledge, had 
three main, like one main rider and, and two assistants. This game had, I think, eight or nine different writers. And based on tweets that various members of that writing group made, it seems like different writers were assigned different um, parts. Like some did like side dialogue, some did main scenes. And I only bring that up because it will become relevant later on when we talk about dialogue story. I just wanted to preface our discussion of the actual game with those changes from you know the behind the scenes of the first game okay i i did know about the three things that needed to happen with this one i'm not i i don't know much about the uh who was involved in the writing process but i know um they did have a num- a good number of writers involved with this game and some you know taking on different tasks and at different points um but yeah, let's you, you guys ready to just talk about the ending get right yeah. into it yes yeah so ragnarok happens right like there's a big battle in asgard i don't know i don't know that it's like quite on the scale how did you guys feel about that walk like i thought it was really epic with kratos taking on this this general role um like you know stepping back into the shoes of being a war general and and preparing everyone for for Mm. this big fight and and blowing the gyalarhorn uh, was was a really cool moment. All the portals opening up and then going through into Asgard. Uh, I don't know how everyone beat him to the punch of getting to Asgard and suddenly it's just chaos as soon as they walk through. But you know, I, I feel like I, I feel like it wasn't as I don't know, it wasn't as big as I expected, and it wasn't as it, it wasn't as long as I expected. What did, what did was, you guys think about that? It was like watching the finale of a giant Marvel movie. And I've seen this comparison made a lot between this game and Marvel movies. And I think it's warranted the more I think about it. It's like watching the finale of a Avengers movie, but the cinematographer decided that they're going to like focus the camera on the ground and not all of the surrounding action and set piece going on behind you. Um, because the entire time the battle's going on, you're just running through hallways and killing the same box standard enemies you've been killing. And you would have to stop the sequence and literally turn the camera to try to look over the wall and see what's going on around you. And so they just have characters come reporting to you what's happening around you. You don't really get to see the armies you're fighting with. You barely get a glimpse of the world serpent. And I think that's really just that it's really just down to how they how uh, Asgard was kind of structured in terms of it really is just like another level, but it's not, it doesn't feel like this big bombastic uh, battlefield or, or battleground. It's just Kratos is playing through a God of war level, not Kratos is engaging in Ragnarok. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. By by the time everything, and we'll get to the events that transpire the, you know, the final boss fights, what have you, by the time I reached the final or the first credits, I was kind of like, yeah, I guess that happened. Like I was Delilah, like, Deli- you want to expound more on your feelings? Yeah, or? I was I was just going to say like I I could definitely see the Marvel comparisons and also that it didn't feel like a big like Ragnarok is coming kind of thing. Um but it still was epic like the way they composed the music and even like the background seeing like I call him Snakey Chong but <laughs> like, Jorgen Munder I think is his name, right? Yeah, I, I could yeah, never Jorgen say Munder. these things right. Jorgen Gander, yeah. You know, seeing all that stuff in the background while you're going through, it, it felt like 
everything else was epic rather than what you were doing as a character. So yeah. I can I can see it feeling like not as epic as as maybe it could have been. Um, but I, I still enjoyed the sequence a lot and it, and it made me excited to see like all the characters coming. It was very Marvel. It's true. And and I think I, that, that's why I enjoyed it. But yeah, it would have been cool to see um, at least Kratos or like other characters around you doing more, um, especially characters that you grew to like know and understand and love and stuff like that. I just like I don't have a problem with the like the foot soldier on the ground and focusing on them like aspect. And there was some cool set pieces that occurred during that thing, you know, uh, take it, uh, redirecting the gun and and having that uh, attack. Uh, what, what was it? Him through his flaw or whatever in the wall so they could blast away open into into the fortress. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like Sindri's when we'll talk about Sindri, we got a lot to say about Sindri. <laughs> Um, like his absolute just like nasty attitude about the whole thing and he's just there to get it done and over with and he's still pretty pissed at you for or you know by you I mean Kratos and Atreus both about everything that transpired prior to this event but like I, I that part was cool it's just the way that the level was structured was just so it was so linear and winding and, and took you in areas where like you couldn't really see anything interesting going on other than like in all the way in the distance, you would see like another gate fall. It's like, Oh, well there goes our reinforcements from all fine. We're not getting any more elves to come help us. You know, yeah. shit like that is just, you never really got to see the, the much of the armies that actually came through for you. Mm-hmm. And that was a bit disappointing. It's kind of why I say like, how did they beat you to the punch of getting to Asgard? What wasn't the whole goal of blowing Yallerhorn and tears temple that, all the portals would be open there. And so I thought all the armies were going to come yeah. in and you were all going <clears> to <throat> go into Asgard together. Whereas you just kind of blow the horn, walk into Asgard and everyone's been already fighting as if they've been fighting for the past you know, hour or so. Not to mention mm-hmm. the whole drama of the situation is undermined by the fact that you have a wolf that can tear through reality of the realms and just teleport everybody inside of Asgard anyway. And you're not using it. Well, to be fair, yeah well yeah i mean i I don't i don't disagree with that i guess um but i yeah i to be fair that they had to they had to get all those portals open so all the armies could come through it would kind of take a lot more time if if garm slash fenrir had to go to each place and have the armies come through you know by the time they did that maybe one army would already be gone or what have you you know um but it's kind of, I, it's, I kind of it's kind I, of like the eagle. Saying. It's kind of like the eagles in Lord of the Rings. Like, kind of yeah. just got to accept. I mean, granted, in that case, there actually is deep lore reasons, but you would have to go fishing for that. You'd mm-hmm. have to read the Silmarillion. Yes. Oh, I was just kidding. I was no, actually I'm, trying I'm, to be. I'm, wow. All right. Um, <laughs> so the the before we before we continue with Ragnarok, I, the last thing I do want to bring up regarding Jormungandr because Jormungandr doesn't really come up much in this game um and to bring in some Norse myth because I do want to talk about some you know actual Norse mythology connections and stuff uh Jormungandr is supposed to be one of Loki's beast children um yeah alongside Fenrir and Hel and no, other children. I, I Loki's forget. Had other children. I but... forget. Is this one of the ones that he had with Angraboda, or one of the ones that so, he just like yes. forced out of his asshole? Like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus 
All right. Yeah, just, Fenrir so, is definitely just, with Angerboda, I think. Just, lo- just to Loki. give everybody a frame of reference for North mythology, Loki like gets fucked by an eight-legged horse or some shit like. No, that. no, 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 not exactly. He. <laughs> Loki fucks a regular horse. Or all right? he fucks the horse. I'm sorry. Yes. Well, I'm he, sorry. Well, he fucks the horse. The horse he didn't takes, fuck him. He takes the form. <laughs> he takes the form of a female horse to lure this other horse that belongs to. Uh, this is actually uh, him trying to deter the, the the giant who built the wall of Asgard uh, from finishing the wall because they kind of were trying to, they were kind of trick him into doing as much work as possible, but not finishing it. So they didn't have to reward him at the end. So Loki takes the form of a female. Ho- this is not in the game, by the way, this is an actual Norse myth. We are really off the rails already. I'm the sorry. Game. I brought it up. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> um, Loki takes the form of a female horse to lure the, uh, the, the giant wall builders, male horse away. And yeah, he, gives birth <laughs> from that horse he gives birth to Sleepnir, an eight-legged horse who then becomes odin's horse Sleepnir is not in this game uh if i recall Sleepnir is mentioned once in a shrine in the first game or 2018 not the first game but god of war 2018 and that's all we know of Sleepnir. so Sleepnir is not like involved with this game at all thank goodness um, anyway <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah uh loki has back to actual content that is in this game uh loki and anger boda have three beast children and those are hell who is not in this game at all or in this continuity at all from what i understand or at least not in the same way uh jormungandr who we obviously see and fenrir uh who we also obviously see don't they mention hell and say that grace falgar took over hell, hell on yeah hell. like hell yeah. existed prior though yeah. like, they're not trying to find any way to fit her in and as right. like one of like someone that loki birthed in any way um in this case the two the two children that did kind of come through to this continuity because i guess they didn't want to have uh, you know any sort of sex scene between two 13 year olds and frankly i'm okay good. with that um good right um, they came up with different ways for those children to have been birthed, which are kind of interesting. Um, Fenrir, he is a normal wolf that dies at the very beginning of the game. Very sad. Um, yeah. And he accidentally transfers Fenrir's soul to his knife. And then when they're fighting Garm, who is a completely different giant wolf in Norse mythology, Garm is is a a a. a, a a giant dog wolf whatever you want to call him in hell that guards hell um they i I thought it was kind of neat how they managed to transfer fenrir in like an organic way in into this game um that was also a really cool fight (laughs) yeah it was well god i um man i've beat the I, i i beat the first time you fight garm got the trophy and i thought that was it so i texted my friend and was like, all right, I beat Garm, and he accidentally spoiled the fact oh, no. that it gets, it gets put into Garm's body before I had gotten there because I didn't realize that I wasn't actually done. <laughs> right. But yeah. like I, I I beat that boss. It was in the morning before I had to log off for work. So I beat that boss, got the trophy, and was like, oh, cool, Garm's done. And then I logged off and texted him. Uh, yeah. So was, that, that was kind of funny. But 
That was a cool little addition because I actually thought I knew that Atreus like had the soul of Fenrir. I didn't know what he was gonna do with it. I thought like maybe he might transform into him, but then he transformed into like another like blonde wolf instead. Mm. Um, so yeah, I I actually thought that something different was gonna happen. And then when See, we had Big Doggo, I was like, hell yeah, let's go. See, my dumbass thought that it was Faye. Hey, so I thought I thought the same thing. Yes, which like which would not have made any sense. Yeah, but like, I I, I don't know. Anger Boda brings up the there being a soul in the knife, and I totally forgot about the like you know the mysterious spell that got cast at the beginning of the game when Fenrir died. So I was just like, oh, I guess it's just Faye's soul. All right, um, whatever. Cool. That's, yeah, that's what I thought when she brought it up. Yeah, and then like Loki or uh, God Atreus, I would prefer to call him Atreus. Um, Atreus refers or brings up the fact that Fenrir's soul is in the knife, not even in like a cutscene, but just like in dialogue while you're running around in hell. And I was like, Oh, it's kind of interesting that they're, they're clarifying like some important plot details, like just in normal ass, like running around dialogue. They do that a lot. (laughs) It's not yet. It's not the only time the game does that. It does that several times between his Peter Parker quips. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Or telling you that you're on fire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh God. But, this, we're, we're getting, we're like touching yeah, on I, so I, many I, things. I, I, we anyway, need to get back to the actual ending. This, yeah. Besides Fenrir, I want to go, I want to talk about Jormungandr because Jormungandr is this big snake that they find in, um, oh God, what's her name? It, it's Angerboda's grandmother. Gryla. 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 Yeah, Gryla. Um, they find the snake, like the soulless snake in her home and, there are these marbles, these stones that have giants in them, and Atreus puts one of the souls into the snake, and that's how he births Jormungandr, and that explains why Jormungandr recognizes him in 2018. It, it's, you know, it's it's a younger, weirdly younger version of his, you know, you want to call him his father, but not like his creator almost. Right. Um, yeah. his savior you could call him even and to um, kind of bring it back to the events of ragnarok the point we're at you do during the battle see jormungandr in the distance and you know obviously thor is like a bolt of lightning kind of they're going at it yeah and at which point uh, he gets hit and disappears which everybody has kind of assumed means he got warped back in time he was hit so hard by that's, thor that's what happens in the myth of ragnarok yeah, right is that thor hits him so hard with the fa- with the hammer that he gets sent back in time but um, um which like yeah. that the fact that that's jormungandr the how jormungandr got birth and the fact that he was sent back in time are other things that are just said in just like walking around dialogue mm-hmm. um so pay you gotta pay attention to that stuff yeah, if you want the full uh, the full experience of the the plot here, um, it's a very this is a very difficult game to listen to podcasts while. Playing. Oh yeah, no, you can't. No, 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 uh, absolutely I, not. I did, but I had to pause a lot. Basically, anytime anyone opened their mouth, I had to pause what I was listening to, which was difficult. Yeah, I was streaming um, this game, and I found myself like just like quiet a lot, just listening to dialogue all the yeah. time, or like listening to cutscenes. It they never shut up really. No, it's they really don't. Very rare that there's silence. Yeah. Um so yeah, Jormungandr gets sent back in time by Thor and then you fight Thor. 
what'd you guys think of the, the the second fight with Thor? It was it was fun. I I find all the all well not all the combat, all the mean combat, the main like not the extra stuff, but like the main bosses, yeah, including yeah. Thor. I find those fights to be fun. The required yeah. the required readings. So yeah. Great. I mean, Thor was one of my favorite characters in this game, and leaving aside my bias for Ryan Hurst, um, I, I know, <laughs> yeah, but I do have a bias for Ryan Hurst. But uh, I, I did very much enjoy this, probably because it's in many ways the same story of the role he played in Sons of Anarchy. Um, but uh, in terms of the second fight, I guess, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier. Like, you're just fighting him in the yard outside of Odin's house. Like, whereas in the beginning of the game, he launches you out of the house and you go in this big giant ice crater in the middle of the lake and there's a frozen bolt of lightning. It's so epic. And the second fight was still fun. The fight itself mechanically was still fun and I enjoyed it. I was just like, we're just fighting in Odin's front yard. It was a much and, more technical fight than a spectacle one. The right. very beginning of the game is a, is very much a spectacle. You're bouncing around all over Midgard, and there's the frozen lightning bolt that pops up at the Lake of Nine during that fight. But, but again, it's like it's Ragnarok. This is like if Iron Man fought uh, was Thanos, like in Tony Stark's front yard. I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I guess and, it's because Thor isn't like this big giant thing. Like every spectacle fight in this game was like a big dog or a big something, you know? And I mean, that's kind of how it's been in the God of War series period where when you're fighting something big, it feels like a spectacle. Whereas when you're fighting just someone that's like taller than you or around your size, it's like, oh, okay, it's like a very specific kind of battle. Yeah, but also it's 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 Thor, you know? He's He's... The mightiest of all the Norse gods, the, the 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 legends of Thor are are large and are many, and I don't know. I I I kind of agree with Jason. It's this is Ragnarok, and nothing really fell on the scale that it needed to be, in, including that fight to an extent. But it does reach a conclusion of Kratos. You know, he he comes to a. He comes to a, a point of mercy where he's like, I don't want to kill you. I don't want to do this and I don't have to. And Thor almost kind of finds some redemption in himself before. Right. He, uh, he, he makes the right choice and finally breaks free of, you know, this kind of uh, pathology he has with his father. And he makes his own choice, which I really liked. And yeah. his father kills him. <laughs> well, I, I'm fine with Odin killing him. It's the manner in which it happens, which is like, in the, throughout the game, Thor is getting fucking stabbed. He's got a scar all throughout the game where yeah. Kratos fucking impaled him with the Leviathan axe. And Odin just pokes him with a spear and he like evaporates. Yeah. To be fair, it's Odin's spear. It's I mean, Odin. yes, I know in, myth- in mythology, yeah, yeah. In, myth- in mythology, Odin's spear is like the spear of death. Like he throws it at mortals and they can't escape it no matter what they do. Like, I, it's like, a, it's supposed to be a, um, like a metaphor for death. Yes, I get it. Yeah. But it, it's still like, is a bit immersion breaking when like you literally fucking rip open his guts and they remain scarred the entire game. It, it's just a little thing, you know? Yeah. I, it I mean, it I, I, I get ruin it. The, Thor, the Thor arc for me. It was one of my favorite parts of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then you know we proceed to fight Odin. What did you guys think of the Odin fight? I didn't really the like that fight. Dog. You fight him in a fucking basement again. <laughs> I mean, why does that bother you so much? I don't know. I guess I don't understand. It's not like just a basement. It's like the the secret cave under the lodge where this like. I don't know. This this whole subplot is a really dumb one, in my opinion, and we'll, we'll talk about it because I feel like it has to be talked. It, it's it's kind of like the MacGuffin quest that keeps the plot moving for for a lot of the game. This stupid tear in reality that like Odin is desperately trying to look into. Like you fight him in that room, in that area, with like I, th- it, that that is a core part of the story. It kind of makes sense. It d- it um, does. That, it, that, 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 you know, the final battle would eventually lead down there. But go ahead. Well, what bothered me about the fight wasn't <laughs> that it was in basement, but more so that it, just the structure of it. Like, yeah. oh, I have to die. Oh, he's over there and he's doing like some AOE attack here. So let me go on this other platform. And that was just kind of the strategy. And it, I don't know. It just felt like it was very mechanically boring. underwhelming compared to all the other boss fights, which, yeah, yeah. For, yeah. That's for the most part. At. For the most part, the boss fights for me were some, some of if not my favorite parts of this game. Yeah, I, 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 I'm actually. What? Can we I'm just not... all real quick say what our favorite boss fight was? Oh, Garm. Oh, okay, that's a good. I one. like Garm, but also, what was that lizard thing that you and Freya fought together? Yeah, well, you guys were. Oh, you guys uh, did not say what I thought you were gonna say. Neathog. Neathog is a. Neathog, yeah, that was a really epic fight too. Um, Heimdall, man. Heimdall, Heimdall was, was a good fight. Such a cool fucking fight. Yeah, I like how they did the one-two switch on Heimdall's fight. Like yeah. everything you're used to doing, you're like, no way, you got to pause for a minute. I think Use- I think the reason Garm was mine was because a it captured the scale of the OG games. Yeah, and b because it was the boss fight with the least fucking input from your side character because the mechanics were basic enough and I got them fast enough that I guess the game didn't feel the need to tell me what to do. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about that too. Yeah, um, but yeah, the, all, all very cool fights. I think I think we just hit like the top three boss fights of the game, um, all of which happen. You know, I would say snugly in the middle. Um, Nitho mm-hmm. happens earliest out of those three, and then yeah. Garm, and then Nimdal. But I think those are all the mechanically most interesting, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, probably the toughest at least in the sense that you don't just get through it by being strategic about dodging and hitting things over and over again. You yeah. Have to right. You have to target specific yeah. things. You have to use specific combinations of weaponry. Yeah. Or really just employ un- more unorthodox strategies that you right. might not usually employ, you know, mm-hmm. uh, o- Odin's Odin. I feel for a final boss is kind of a forgettable boss fight. Yeah. Um, I don't really remember much about it. If I'm being so a lot of like lasers and not even lasers, but like balls of fire and just random things well, being thrown at you that you have to yeah. avoid. We'll, we'll get more into it when we talk about Odin as a character, but they decided to go with the more um, sorcerer interpretation of Odin. like the, there are interpretations of Odin depending on which Scandinavian tra- oral tradition you're looking at where he's more the warrior. There are also those where he's kind of like a wandering sorcerer you know garbs and gray gandalf is specifically based on odin 
Uh, those interpretations, that, at least. But I think that's the more sensical interpretation of him. Even if Odin starts off as a warrior, and sure, Odin has proven himself as a warrior. Odin, Odin's main thing, the the, the thing that he wants most, and the knowledge, thing that he's yeah. constantly seeking is knowledge. Right? He's he might not be Mimir and be as smart as Mimir is, or even in, in most interpretations, Kvasir, who's the, the, the wisest of them all, but he is still constantly after knowledge and his character really reflects that. So yeah. him being kind of more a, a, a mage type, if you want to put it that way, I think makes the most sense. Um, which I guess is why I focus so much on fighting him in the basement, where it's basically just an arena where, like Delilah said, it's mechanically uninteresting. He's just throwing fireballs and stuff at you. Where, like, if if it's a sorcerer fight, you could at least have him, like, I don't know, you have these giant walls around Asgard. You never have a fight on top of them. You know, something of that magnitude to really show off and at least and really achieve some of that spectacle that there are just so many things I can think of off the top of my head that you could do with it. I don't know. No. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I, I can't disagree. Um, but OK, but let's real quick. Let's talk about this mask. This mask is the thing that uh, Odin tasks Atreus with helping him restore when when Atreus eventually goes uh, goes to Asgard to to find out, you know, what Odin knows, what he's trying to do to prevent Ragnarok from happening. This mask. <laughs> I I don't get it. This isn't like a thing in Norse mythology that I, that I can find anything on or recall anything about. And the re- the joke that I said at the top of the show. Yeah. Referencing the fucking Jim Carrey, the mask movie based on the, you know, the, 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 the dark horse comic, just like, what what is this why it's 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 a MacGuffin, like you said but thematically it makes sense because it's trying to parallel odin's pursuit of knowledge with um what loki's doing throughout the game and how that reckless pursuit of knowledge um could lead to bad uh, you know the road to hell is paved with bad or good intentions sorry Mm -hmm. where odin's intentions i mean granted it's more selfish but He's trying to discover, you know, what lies beyond for the gods. He, he's trying to get a look into this tear in, in reality in the same way that Loki is trying to do these things to prevent prophecy. To, you know, he's trying to help people, but right. it, leads to, it leads both of them to make reckless decisions, which is why it's Loki in the end who confronts him. Like, you know, will you be better? Will you change? And he's like, nah. And then, you know, Loki takes him out. Yeah. I, it looked like um, in that part with Odin, it looked like he did see something in the tear. And then, like, he had, like, a facial expression, but they just never really showed anything. Well, that's the other thing that bothers me, is they, they claim that Odin Odin lost his eye by trying to look into the tear. And Mimir, yes. I, I believe, had also already told the tale of how Odin actually lost the eye. A couple of and it was the, the correct one, <laughs> or the one that has been told before in, in time through the myths. And that's that uh, o- Odin wanted to drink from Mimir's fountain. Or his, uh, his, um, oh God, his, he wants a well, cup of mead. Yeah. It's a cup of mead. Yeah. No, it, it's hold on. I it depends which it. version you look, but the one I like is the cup of mead. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you could, you could go with a cup of mead if you really want to, but I believe the, the, it's it, that that's not what matters. What matters is that Odin cuts his own eye out to get knowledge, yes, which, which is, that, that which is, is the metaphor that knowledge changes people. 
it's water. If if you follow Neil Gaiman's book Norse mythology, I highly recommend. By the way, um, it's Mimir's well of uh water well, and it's one of the wells. It's one of the water sources that feeds uh the world tree Yggdrasil. Right. Um, it, it's he he wants to drink from from this well, and Mimir says, "No, you can't. Um, it will cost you." He's mm. like, "What? What will it cost me?" He's like, "An eye," and he's like, "Give me a knife," and he cuts his eye out. And that's how he loses an eye. So yeah. this nonsense about some tear in reality that he looks at. And, you know, he's probably he probably lied about it. Like, it's probably a lie. And it even comes up in in-game dialogue. Atreus brings it up to Mimir after he meets Odin and stuff. And Odin tells him that. And he says, hey, Odin's story is different from your story about how he lost his eye. And Mimir's like, well, do you really believe him over, over me, your good buddy? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so somebody somebody's wrong here. It's probably Odin just pulling someone's leg. It's not the first right. time, or it's certainly not the last time he would have been deceitful about something. But I don't know. This whole mask plot kind of sucked, in my opinion. I just... It was just so weird and, like, original, but not original. Because it was, like, aping something that really didn't have anything to do with this mythology or god of war i mean it did in a sense because like that comic and and the the mask movie like that uh the mask was supposedly created by loki but like i don't know it's like bringing it's bringing in lore and history from something completely unrelated and i'm not even saying that like they they clearly aped that comic or that movie the but the parallels are really fucking similar Mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to look at that and be like yeah you definitely didn't pull that from this well that that entire plot line with loki odin and the mask if you think about it it's really just a plot device that is there to allow you to see other stories that are far more interesting so like we'll get into it thor's story and when i say thor's story i'm encompassing all the character his daughter yeah, his yeah. wife Th- you see that all through those loki sections that are ostensibly about the mask but they're really not um the same goes you know for thor's relationship with all the asgard stuff getting a deeper sense of those characters and also creating the drama with kratos it's really all that plot the plot isn't really nothing in and of itself other than the thematic element i just talked about but you know drawing that parallel between odin and loki yeah, I just wish that the thing that was moving that forward and causing all that to happen was less silly and weird. And you mean like Kratos admitting um, what you know his true past is, and Loki having a reaction to it that for some reason gets relegated to side dialogue with Freya? But we'll get into that. <laughs> what do you wait? What, what are you his fa- about? like his family? That uh, as far oh. as we know, Loki doesn't know about. Yeah, that will. Hey, at least at least they acknowledge that. <laughs> at least for once, these new these new games acknowledge that. Kratos yeah, had a family before. Um, I'm I I do wish it was brought up a little more, and I do wish that uh, Atreus maybe knew about it, but like, or at least that we know that he knew, but. All I'm saying for is if you want to find a more natural way to create a rift between Kratos and Loki, that's it. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah. 
I mean, I I don't think that they. Well, okay, we'll we'll, we'll double yeah, back. Yeah, we're, we're really going off into the mask. Yeah. Let's just finish the ending of the game. Yeah. Point point being though, okay, and I do I did like this 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 little twist in the story that uh that the uh, Atreus actually winds up destroying the mask, saying you know it, it's not worth it looking into that thing with this mask like it's not worth potentially giving Odin what he wants, and it's just not like this is how we this is how we change what what's to come. And he winds up destroying it. And, like, that both kind of, like, further invalidates, like, the whole purpose of that whole damn storyline. But I do weirdly, admittedly kind of like it. It it was, from the emotional lens, it was good. From, like, a story lens, like, uh, I guess logical lens. It's like, okay, we saw nothing of the mask. You know, it went nowhere, basically. Um But Loki came out of it and Kratos came out of it. A better father and son where he trusts Loki now or Atreus now, you know, that that was the purpose of it. Yeah, it was really more for the character and setting up the stark contrast where Loki has learned his lesson about, you know, the road to hell as paved with good intentions, whereas Odin has not and will not. He refuses to stop his pursuit of knowledge. Yeah. Um. So uh, Atreus then proceeds to uh, trap Odin into one of the giant stones. They contemplate for the about Pokeballs. twenty seconds, huh? Pokeballs. <laughs> yeah, the, the the Norse Pokeballs. <laughs> Damn it! Shit! Why? He's li- Atreus is literally going on an adventure to catch them all. There's 150 giants out there. He's got to find them all. Oh my god! That's the next God of War game. That's it. <laughs> it's perfect. Oh, that's the I first thing I thought when Angerboda pulled that out. I'm like, no, oh god. I hope, I hope it. I hope it runs better than the latest one. Oh my yeah, god, like, true. <laughs> topical humor. Um, oh, oh, they they contemplate what to do with this stone for all of 20 seconds, and then Sindri Sindri comes in clutch and destroys it. Yeah, um, like, well, they were talking about like, oh, should you know, let's give it. They gave it to Freya because they know she had like. You know, she wanted revenge on him, yeah. and she decided, "Eh, I'm over it." <laughs> like everyone has has moved past their yeah. path of vengeance, except for Sindri at this point. Which, in and of itself, I like Sindri MVP, my man. Like, you, yeah. you started this whole fucking thing to go to Ragnarok. I know you didn't want it. It's like Jon Snow and fucking end of Game of Thrones. I don't want it. I don't want it. And like, I know you didn't want this war. I know you didn't want it. But you're fucking here now. You're gonna do Ragnarok. Just kill Odin in a fucking gratuitous, gory way. Like, I know it goes against what, you know, the fucking, not themes, but the uh, the image they want for the new God of War. But it would have been so much more satisfying. I don't know. Yeah, well, for, for well, at least for Sindri. I like that Sindri I mean, does it. It's the best part of that sequence. No, yeah, that was, that was, it, it was, it was shocking. Just pretty much just echoing Sindri's whole character arc in the latter half of this game. It was just it was just completely shocking to see that he just grabbed it, smashed it, and then left. Mm-hmm. That was and... so gangsta. Like I don't know any other word to describe it. You know, Sindri and, has um, some of the best character development in the fucking game. Yeah, Sindri's awesome. I don't know about the best character development. No, some maybe, of some of them. maybe. Like, I would argue some of the best character deconstruction. Maybe, um, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's because, better well, way to yeah, it. because like Sindri doesn't really develop. He 
really changes in some really dark ways. Yeah, he unravels, I guess you could say. Unravel, yeah. Like, That's he, why like, I say deconstruction. Yeah. Is like, yeah, he like we know Sindri for an entire game and a half as this, you know, kind of kind of paranoid, um, like anxious, ger- anxious germaphobe. germaphobe. Yeah, like he is like he wants to help atreus but he's very nervous for him he's very protective of him and you know he, he's also got this he's got this uh thing that he's kind of kept from brock about brock having died before and he was able to bring him back but like if he Not dies cool. again he's gone yeah, he's missing part of his soul yeah and brock dies <laughs> Yeah, you could basically um, look at it like from a Freudian perspective, like he, over the course of the game, his inner beast, his shadow gets released. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For the, 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 That's a good, decent way of looking at it. Or not Freudian, yeah. Jungian, I guess I'd be young. I don't know. Um, well, well, you know, we'll circle back to Sindri because there's other layers that we have to peel back before we really talk about that. There's another specific character we really have to dig into. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, let, let's, let's finish up the ending. We, um... We have after Sindri destroys the, the stone containing Odin's soul, uh, Surtur, you know, be, being a giant fire beast that helps Ragnarok happen, um, but he's just destroying Asgard. Freyr winds up sacrificing himself. How'd you guys feel about that? Uh, at this point of the game, I wasn't like I didn't. Freyr wasn't my favorite character, and we just got to know him like a few chapters ago. And I feel like to make that more impactful, yeah, right? Exactly. He has, grand, he has a grand total of like under two minutes of screen time. I feel like throughout this entire yeah, journey. it's more th- it's more than that. But like, I, I'm, I yeah, I'm being hype, somewhat hyperbolic. Yeah, it's, and I won't like dig too too deep into it. But we get we learn more about him in the post game optional quest than we do in the main game, which is rewarding to actually do those things but at the same time it's like when in that impactful moment where he sacrifices himself for everyone it's like oh okay whereas when brock died it was like tears flowing like i was crying when brock died like yeah. i was like oh shit like we yeah. knew brock for a whole game he was the first character we met outside of boulder was brock. right yeah we have spent more time with brock to that point than any other character in the game which is why that worked and he's just even if I spent ten minutes with Brock, he's more likable in my opinion um, than Freyer. Um, IGN's podcast Beyond—that's their PlayStation podcast. They did a spoiler cast with Eric Williams. Uh, he he actually mentioned this is how I knew what you were talking about before of the things that Corey told him have to be in the game, and one of the things was Brock dying. And Corey asked him, uh, you know why Brock has to die, right? And he said, yeah, he's the family dog. <laughs> like, damn, that's fucking sad. Yeah. Um, it, it was it was a decent conversation. I'd recommend giving it a listen if you're interested more in, in, in this game. I, it's a far, don't get me wrong, it's a far inferior spoiler cast. <laughs> Most spoiler casts are, let's be honest. A- anyway, um... Yeah, Frere definitely needed to have more involvement in the uh, in the game to have that sacrifice be. Even Freya doesn't seem to mourn him too much. I was just gonna say, like, it would have been more impactful if it would have had an actual influence on Freya. But she's been on like this kick where, like, you know, she she's over Odin, she's over Kratos killing her son. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Now she's over her brother dying. So I don't know. 
I, I, I thought it was going to have more of an impact. Yeah, I want to wait to get into Freya because Freya—that's a whole another story, and that yeah, does tie into Freya. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. The, and the, the the last thing here, um, you do this whole sequence with Atreus waking up and talking to everybody. Eventually, makes his way to the top of the base that they have in Midgard. Uh, runs into Angerboda, runs into Kratos. They have a touching reunion, and Angerboda shows them a shrine, a hidden shrine. Mm-hmm. A shrine that was destroyed by Fey, and it was the shrine that would have told them how things were, I guess, supposed to end. Um, mm-hmm. but she deliberately destroyed it so that they would forge their own, uh, their own path, their own prop, or their own ending. You know, have them have them forge their own conclusion to this tale, which Fey predicted exactly the events that happened in the game obviously yeah. obviously the the future there's a hint at what the future is for him and yeah. the reason i bring that up that she specifically is because of the issue with i have with prophecy in this game i don't know if we want to talk about that now or wait until uh, we're finally we, done we with can yeah let's we can so I mean, let's also just bring up that she predicted and set them on the path through the entirety of the of 2018 yeah that was like a huge ending reveal conversation point yeah well yes but the prophecy that we saw then was the first of multiple prophecies in this game which turned out not to come true well no 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 no. i'm well the majority of what we saw at the end of 2018 did was their journey to jotunheim there was just that one mural Mm -hmm. that was kind of a a a kickoff point for this game that didn't come true but isn't it implied in the end that that was a prophecy made by the other giants and Faye went against them by making another prophecy I do believe so. Yeah, exactly. So this is where I guess we can talk about what's called the prophecy paradox, which is similar to the time traveler. You guys are familiar with the time traveler's dilemma in storytelling. We're basically because time, like there are actual debates about what the real world rules of time travel would be that like, if you're writing a story about time travel, you basically have to choose from like three pretty well accepted um means i don't want to get too deep in that the point is is that when it comes to stories about prophecies you really have one of two choices either the prophecy is real and is a main source of drama and eventually comes true even if it's not exactly the same way it comes true sometimes it's referred to as destiny so like you know for witcher fans that might be listening the sword of destiny has two you know ultimately the the character reaches that destiny and a lot of the story is them grappling with the you know that dread um and having moral conundrums the other way you can do it is just they defy prophecy. The Final Fantasy way of doing it. They defy prophecy uh, yeah. and none of it matters. Uh, but mm. it's more about, you know, prophecy doesn't matter. It's the choices you make. And this game mostly does that up until it doesn't, which is at the end it's revealed that um, uh, Faye actually had a completely different prophecy. So there was a third prophecy. There was, there was the original giant prophecy that was a lie to... Odin, then there was the real giant prophecy that we saw in Jotunheim, and then there was Faye's alternative prophecy. Mm-hmm. And this is after learning from the Norns that apparently prophecy isn't actually a thing. You're just reading people and predicting very accurately what they'll do based on their personality. Mm-hmm. Then in the so that's fine if you want to go with the route of 
okay, prophecy doesn't really matter so much as the choices you make. But at the end, it's revealed that everything that just happened in the game was a prophecy made by Faye, and we just didn't know it. So one of the primary sources of drama in this game is prophecy and characters grappling with the imminent doom they're facing. And then a big arc of the game is saying no to that and breaking free and making your own choices. But at the very end, it's the rug is pulled out from under you and you re, you realize that the whole thing was a prophecy anyway. Mm-hmm. Made by Faye. Yeah. It, was, it was the third prophecy. But she Which, didn't want you to know. But well, didn't want Kratos and this, to know. this opens a whole new Pandora's box. It's funny I said that given this, we're talking yeah. about God of War. <laughs> it opens a whole nother Pandora's box of the Norns say prophecy isn't real and it's just about reading people. Yet apparently Faye, a giant, knew, and the giants in general, including Angraboda, know about prophecy because they make them and they can see visions of the future. So apparently it's not just the Norns. It, the Norns say the prophecy isn't real, but the giants believe in prophecy. Angraboda believes in prophecy. She's willing to, you know, carry out this original prophecy, not the one fame. It, it, it's just, it gets very confusing what exactly the rules of prophecy. For and sure. Completely undermines a primary source of drama retroactively for the entire story. Yeah, but I don't think most of that was even considered. I think it was... It was. It wasn't. It, the actual mechanics of the plot weren't considered. They were focused on the characters, which yes. I can understand, but it really starts to build up over the course of this game. The, this isn't the, the only characters, thing. The characters, and I would say, like, the shock and awe. Like, oh, it was prophesized all along. But, like, it's, like, one of those things where it's interesting and shocking for all of five seconds until you start to think about it too much, which clearly Jason has. <laughs> well, it's just and, like, because, like, I, I love prophecy story. Like, yeah, uh, this is, uh, once again, I'm going to bring up Elric on the podcast. Like, Elric is oh, a physical And The Witcher is because The Witcher is just a ripoff of Elric, but that's a whole other podcast to have. Um, <laughs> but his destiny does happen. It's about how he grapples with that because as tons of historians will point out across history mythologies constantly focus on prophecy greek mythologies what have you because it's basically just a, a metaphor so to speak for the inevitability of death and mm-hmm. how human beings deal with that yeah yeah i mean prophecy really had to play a big role in this in this in this game in the storyline no matter what because the prophecy of Ragnarok is known to to all of them. They know what's coming, um, e- even in the original myths, and it's ba- it's basically all just very cyclical. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, uh, that was always going to be a major plot point. I do, yeah, I do think that the execution of it here, um, as not only a major plot point and theme for the the overall setting, but a pl- big plot point and theme for our main characters yeah it does get a little messy um and very very heavy-handed um Mm -hmm. overall all the themes in this game are super heavy-handed we'll talk about that in a little bit but (laughs) yeah basically which sucks because and i know it sounds like i'm and i'm putting a lot of this up front because there are some points of this game that i do really want to praise oh yeah me too um it's just but it gets so bogged down. Uh, take a continue. take a shot every time someone says the word trust. Mm-hmm. Or be will just be trash in <laughs> ten minutes. And this is yeah. why in the beginning I brought up how the right the amount of writers increased almost like threefold. Yeah. Um, because this game really made me appreciate 
the focus and clarity of what was going on in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, I would ultimately argue it's the better story. Um, but we, let's finish with... Uh, yeah, we, we still got a few more things to say yeah. about the ending. Well, the one uh, good thing to come out of that new prophecy is that it was like the first time, well, maybe the second time in the game where Kratos looked like he was going to cry. <laughs> and that yeah. was really cool. And the way they did it, he didn't actually cry, but like he had a well, face like he was holding it back. You're talking yeah. about the second part of the prophecy, right? Which is I didn't the, at the very end. Which we haven't yeah. even we haven't even brought up was so after they see the the, the first part, Atreus tells Kratos, you know, I, I have to go and find the rest of the giants. You can't come with me. I have to do this myself. Peace out, Dad. I gotta catch them all. And th- this is kind of the <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is kind of the culmination of their relationship where uh there, there's this whole build up throughout the game of them they 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 need to come to trust each other. They just, to, yeah. yeah, it's very uh heavy-handed like I said, but and this is the culmination of that. Atreus Atreus says that I have to go. I have to do this myself and Kratos says, "Okay, go." Uh, that that that's fine. And it's a really heart. It is a really heartfelt moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kratos realizes the other side of that trine has yet another prophecy. And this is this is another thing where it's like it's brought up in dialogue, not in a cutscene. Just like while you're out, what running around and exploring and do, playing the game and stuff, it's brought up just in casual conversation. I think with Freya or somebody. I don't even remember where they talk about how Kratos was was the god of war in the Greek pantheon after he killed Ares. Um, but he was never a god that was war... Oh, I think Odin brings it up to him. Yes, um, and I hate that o- line of dialogue because it's not well, true where- if you play the original trilogy. It, it kind of no, it kind Spartan, of is true. God of War Two opens with the part with the Spartans praying to Kratos to come help him. But that doesn't mean they respect or revere him. I mean, okay, if you want to split hairs, sure. Yeah, that just means he's the god of fucking war. <laughs> like, they're they're so the Spartans were constantly at war. Like they and them praying to him doesn't mean they revere him. That just means that they want. Okay, his if you help want to be technical, war. sure, sure. Yeah, but like no one ever. Uh, let, let's put it this way: no one in the Greek, no one in Greek mythology in this game in this series is continuity. Uh, respected or viewed Kratos in the same way that anyone in the, this North, this Norse um, uh, continuity respects someone like Tyr, where Tyr was a god of war that used it for peace, and he he did not wage war haphazardly. He did not uh, encourage people to even go and and fight each other. He was a very different god, a, a, really a great foil to Kratos in that respect. Um, at least the past Kratos. Key, keyword so that's kind of foil, or I guess in the post game. What's that? As a keyword, was a great foil, but I guess the, well, I have to it's still, that because still, yeah, 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 still is uh, a great foil to Kratos. Um, but like, no, no, no one from Greece. Uh revered kratos no one from uh, greece respected kratos they just you know 
they prayed to him when they needed him in war and he opens up the shrine yeah he opens up the shrine to find people revering him praising him respecting him and loving him and that's a very different uh feeling for for him that was like a really good emotional moment um he did it's i feel like it's something kratos never really realized he wanted until he finally got it Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. he's he's seeing that that's what's going to happen that's his future and i I don't even yeah i was just gonna add i don't even think it's more so that he didn't want it but more that he didn't believe it was possible based on all the shit he did Mm mm-hmm so all you have to do is go to a place where no one really knows who you are except for a <laughs> uh, bodiless goat man and you're you're all set. You're you're you're, you're free and clear. <laughs> <laughs> um but I it was a it, I I do think this conclusion for Kratos' story is assuming this is the conclusion to Kratos' story and we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. Um this is a perfect conclusion to his story. Um, to his arc uh the only thing i'll say about kratos's character is um a lot of it has to do with Faye, and this is something i really want to talk about if if you guys feel we're ready to talk about some stuff that's not part of the core ending uh sure is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up about the core ending before we move on to some other things um yeah i guess i just want to say the way they ended it was very open-ended right it wasn't like 2018 where they had this big freaking reveal at the end where like thor showed up shows up and once again very marvel um you know you see like the mjolnir and the electricity and then it ends and it's like oh what's gonna happen next whereas in this game there's so many plots and stories that are left open that i'm sure we're gonna get into that aren't explored until the end game and some of them just unexplored period um, right, like the and big F- one is the horn from 18 with Jormungandr. Mm-hmm. Um, who blew the horn is kind of one of the big questions floating around. And I think Corey Bal- Balrog or somebody from Sony Santa Monica said that's a question for another game, which is like, but this was the last Norse game. Like, There's a lot left unanswered. And there's also a lot that you do, you just don't know about what happens next for characters unless you do optional things, which I encourage. Um but it made me feel like at first I was like, damn, like I wanted uh, we, I knew it was like an ending. So it was kind of like a happy ending. But I, I just felt like there was so much more that I wanted. There left more to be desired. But then the more that I played the game and then the more that I sat with that ending, the more I appreciated it. Um, and I wonder if they are going to continue at this point, which I know we're going to get into at the end of the podcast. But um, it, it, I didn't feel satisfied with the ending until right. I kept playing, if that makes sense. Yeah, because and I, I, I gave you guys a fair warning um, ahead of time. Like, you should go do this, this, and this after you beat it because there's some really important epilogue shit for a lot of the characters that I feel no one should miss. Yeah. But it's really easily missable if you walk down the, the 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 hill while the credits are popping up on screen again they did that uh, re-listening to some of our 2018 episode or our episode on god of war 2018 delilah you praised the uh the credits popping up while you're still like walking down the mountain and they did that again this time and yeah i thought it was great here totally. we thought it was great then um 
but like you could turn off the console and not never go back and see like some of the some of the epilogue things like the Aesir and Vanir, the remaining Aesir and Vanir, Vanir um, coexisting Sif and Hildisvini in Vanaheim trying to figure out um, you know, what they can do with the realm to to for them to coexist and survive and thrive. Yeah, through wielding um, Mjolnir, she yeah. got fucking whacked all the way to was it Midgard, right? Um, uh, that you find Alfheim. her. It was Alfheim, Alfheim. Yeah, Alfheim. yeah. Um, through through is now the new uh the yeah the new wielder of Mjolnir uh for his hammer, um and you don't like get to interact with her. You just see her with the hammer, and she you know flies up and leaves and disappears. Um, who is it? Lunda, I think, gives you that hint, like, "Hey, there's something in Alfheim you might want to go see." Yeah. Um, and then after you, after that happens, you can go. You can go over to Luna. And she'll be like, "Told you you'd want to see that. Isn't that crazy?" It's yeah. Like, okay. There, there's so much, and then of course the most important thing, like Brock and Sindri's, uh, yeah. the the funeral for for Brock, and which rolls a second set of credits. Yeah, the, the the primary credits, I would say. Yeah. Like the, the actual credit sequence, and we'll talk about that in another post game side quest soon. I, yeah, I want to I want to talk about how Faye kind of uh kind of fits into this game and kratos's development and how i feel there's kind of a massive gap missing in his development that just doesn't really make any sense okay um well what when you say gap can you elaborate what you're talking well, about well so the end of god of war 3 kratos first of all kills all of greece right like the greece pantheon is done greece is like in ruins and he stabs himself with um, the blade of Olympus, uh, seemingly killing himself. But then we get the, the 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 cliffhanger that he actually crawled away and survived, and that's how he reaches the Norse mythology in 2018. And 2018 immediately springs us into he's a dad, and his wife just died, and they have to take her ashes to Jotunheim and he's learning how to be a father and actually be somewhat sympathetic while also raising a son. And then we get to this game where Kratos is even more sympathetic and he's getting older and is much more caring and is trying, still trying to control his anger and stuff. And like the progression from God of War 2018 to this game mostly makes sense for his character we get glimpses in this game of his relationship with Faye. i don't feel like we get the right glimpses can i bring something up real quick yeah so and i guess this will be you guys already know but this will be news to those that are listening i read leaks and these aren't like the gameplay uh, straight yeah, up from the from the, when the street date broke i read leaks from reddit a few months back prior to release that everybody had kind of dismissed as you know being crazy and a lot of it didn't come true but um and a lot of things changed but still happened the same way but with different characters and a lot of the gameplay segments happened in the exact order and even down to specific encounters which leads me to believe that it was probably like an earlier draft maybe somebody who left and was pissed off so this they leaked an earlier draft so i do think there was some validity to it and in those leaks, one of the boss fights in the game was the first time Kratos meets Faye and they fight and you learn how they fell in love. Yeah. 
that is what this game that's what this that's what his character progression is missing in my opinion and and that that that's what kind of drives me crazy about this progression not from 2018 to ragnarok but from god of war 3 to god of war 2018 kratos is such a different character and like that's fine he can he can change he like that's kind of why he came there to begin with to get away from his past and ultimately get another family to maybe grow from that experience they needed to show some relationship between him and Faye, but they didn't show the right parts of it they showed some walking through the woods before atreus was born i think um and then some of atreus being a little baby and then mark the one trees the one that's the one thing that i liked about the 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 glimpses with Faye, the the dream sequences was the part where they were setting up the paint on the trees it's the only flashback that i thought was fitting and well placed in the game the others were needless we needed to see them meeting i feel like that should have been the first dream we got and there should have been a parallel storyline that was a past storyline showing the progression of their relationship, showing Kratos grow as a person. Because, like, we got the growth of him being kind of an aloof, uh, like, non-existent father in 2018 to becoming the, 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 the person he is at the end of that game. But we don't really see what happens before that and in between God of War 3 and God of War 2018. And I feel like we're, to- we're kind of just told to take a lot of things for granted with his character development, and it just kind of doesn't make any sense. I actually don't think that uh, the points that Faye was a part of Kratos's life, that he was this character. I think this character happened between the ending of God of War 2018 and now, where he's raising Atreus alone. I don't really think there was... Like, okay, so you're, you're saying it based off the dream sequences, um, like with him like holding Atreus as a baby and stuff like that. Kratos was still kind of silent and not very like tender and like talk like he's not talkative but more talkative than he ever was. So yeah. I I actually think that Kratos was still this like like unemotional rock that couldn't be broken even by Faye. Like I'm sure she started that journey, but I don't really think that he became who he was now until the end of 2018 no, i i and i agree i agree with that and i see what you're saying my my, my point though is is just that Kratos, even kratos at the beginning of 2018 where he is where we do see like parts of in that in that flash in those flashbacks with Faye, where he's very quiet he's kind of emotionally unavailable and stuff like that is all there but that's still a very different character than how god of war than how he is when god of war 3 ends and like Right. Going from that point to the point where we begin 2018 at, or even in those flashbacks, it just doesn't make sense. And I feel like showing how him and Faye met, especially because they talk about it, like they they mentioned that they were about to kill each other when they met. That 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 is brought up. Like, don't talk about it. If you're gonna do fash- flashbacks with Faye, show that one. That's yeah, like the best one to show. Yeah, that um, would have been but- really cool to see for sure. And I and I feel like it would have been the most the most useful thing they could have done with her in this game. You know, if you're actually going to show Faye, show the right moments with Faye. And I don't really feel like they did. I feel like they 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 incorporated her into the story uh, in all the wrong ways. 
at least when they actually showed her in these flashback sequences. And I Which feel sucks like... because the, I love the actress who plays her and it looks again, I'll keep bringing this up and over and over. Cause it's one of the great praises I have for this game is the motion capture and acting both, both voice acting and, you know, physical. Oh acting. yeah. Yeah. But like, I knew who the actress was right away. She's from daredevil. Um, yeah. But, uh, and same with Ryan Hurst and same with a bunch of other people. But, uh, yeah, it's a shame that I, I agree that the character feels ultimately wasted, as do many characters in this game. Um, because, again, a great actress and there's great potential there, like you said. Like, I was expecting to fight her and learn how, like, not just go through, like, oh, they've already fallen in love. It's already after Kratos has been tamed, quote unquote. Um, yeah, well, that's kind of my thing is I can't imagine the, the Kratos that walks away from God of War 3 alive fall just going to another land and falling in love with someone mm -hmm. and then and then them dying and him having to raise a son like it just doesn't connect I, it's I, it feels very similar to um in 2018 like there's the build-up to fighting race felger and it just doesn't happen you get a troll and the reason for that was they ran out of money um quote unquote that's at least the reason given um it, it feels like that almost like those flashbacks were building to something but they ran out of money Hmm. There, I mean, I don't know how relevant this is, but the comic books that were, I think, supposed to take place between God of yeah. War 3 and 2018, which uh -huh. weren't good, I know, no. but yeah, they just I've... showed, like, a very, like, defeated Kratos, yeah. um, who, like, was trying his best to just die, so I assume, like that he went, he, he was away from, like, the rage, the killing, like, he just w was defeated, and then maybe his life that happened here with Faye or whoever else he met before her was assumed to be something revitalizing, I guess. So yeah. he didn't go from like kill, kill, kill to soft, nice guy. Well, you know, it was like a defeated my, moment in between. My it's only issue. With oh, could I just uh, bring up something ahead, real quick? It's important to remember that at the ending of God of War three, the actual, it, the actual context of that was that the sword of Olympus was imbued with the power of hope. And Athena wanted him to stab her to give her the ultimate power over people. And Kratos, who doesn't realize what he's doing to Greece until like towards the end of the game, suddenly realizes, you know, what it is he's doing. He's destroying by killing the gods. He's destroying Greece. So by killing himself with that sword, the idea is that he's giving the power of hope to the people of Greece yes. as some minor form of redemption. So it's not like he's just a complete monster and just kills himself. No, oh, yeah, and I, yeah. I know, I, and but, but like, still, you, you get my point. Is it's yeah, I would have been cool to see it. Yeah, he, he like even if at the end of God of War three, he was trying to find some sort of personal redemption. Like, he, he still murdered every god in the Greek pantheon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, he it's, still did some really fucked up things. It's not a huge thing, but the idea is supposed to be at least he can do that one small thing: deny Athena her her play for power and give the, the power of hope to the people. Yeah. He's yeah. still, he's still a very different character. And like Delilah, I, I know what you're saying about those comics. Like he was very much like if, from what I remember of that whole four issue run was like, he was trying to get rid of the blades of chaos and they kept coming back to him, reappearing in his hands. No, he, no matter what he did, he couldn't let go of his past. In all fairness, you and I are just total giant nerds that went out of our way to get. Those <laughs> yeah, comments. I'm not like justifying it by saying that, but I'm sure yeah. like 99 percent of the people that are listening to this podcast didn't even know those comics existed. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, no and a lot idea. of like a lot of games do that 
or mm-hmm. you know other forms of media but yeah i i agree with you i'm not disagreeing with you no i i that, that, that that's fine like I, I i get what you're saying about those comics i get what you're saying he, he, he there is some point in between those games where he is feeling defeated it's just it's it's such a weird progression for him to just go to a new land and fall in love with someone else. And it just, it, it, you know, he, he's just toggles a switch. Okay. I'm a totally different character now. Um, and for them to, I, I kind of just accepted it, took it for granted in 2018. But if you're going to show flashbacks with Faye, like this is your opportunity to show how he's grown and changed as a person. And they just didn't do that. I also, and this like kind of ties into a theory. I also think that, well, it's 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 a theory that's kind of like explained in the Endgame. But like, I think Faye was also a rageful human being, and so I feel like it wasn't just like, oh, she was what made him start softening up. I think that he like maybe didn't see her in him, but she was a lot like him, even though he didn't quite see it. If you do the side content there, and I I see a lot of Witcher three syndrome in this game where the side content ends up being more interesting than the core plot itself. Um, One of the major themes of the side content, not all of it, not all of it, but some, (laughs) some, some of the stories like Freya's side, side quest story is much better than her entire arc and the entire main story. Um, but anyway, with regards to what you were just saying about Faye, it's heavily hinted at that she has a dark past, and it's parallel with Mimir's relationship with uh, Sigurun, um, yeah. and, and the past that she didn't know about when he had it. It's heavily implicated that she might have even had some sort of relationship with Thor, like when you, go, when actually... you learn the stories from Van. Ha- it, it you could draw that conclusion. You can draw many other conclusions. Yeah, I don't view it so much as a relationship, so much as just. Uh moral rivalry if anything yeah maybe if you were that far mm-hmm. i actually had a theory throughout the game and i'll explain why and i'm glad we're talking about Faye because she's the character that I have the most theories about i think that either this is crazy all right bear with me either <laughs> odin and Faye had a relationship and atreus is actually odin's son Ooh, or well, he like <laughs> he like right he calls he's he refers to atreus as our son when he yeah. talks to kratos um and there's many other reasons like brock saying oh um yeah everything about Faye is amazing except her taste in men not mm-hmm. in a like i you can take that as like a jab to kratos but it felt deeper than that. And they also flashbacked to that exact statement and didn't really explain why they flashbacked to Brock saying that. Um, also, in the beginning, there's a lot of Kreos saying like, oh, Faye's like hiding a lot. I never asked her questions. There's things that I just let her be, let her do. And then Atreus was like, yeah, well, I guess we'll never know now. And if you look at our o- Odin, I'm sorry, Atreus and Odin next to each other, they look like a lot like their eyes are like practically the same which like Faye kind of has the same eyes and Faye kind of looks similar to like throat throat and and sif as well so you know there could be like some weird stuff there but if it's not that they had they had like a genuine relationship i imagine that maybe odin could have like shape-shifted into kratos and like tricked her into like having his baby or some weird (laughs) shit um, I don't know if they'll ever like go down that route of exploring that, but there was just too much in the game that made me feel like 
uh, like a tr- like there's something with Faye and Odin and Thor you see, and Asgard. Th- there's a lot of there's a lot of side both in the main plot cutscenes and in the side dialogue on side quests when you're just exploring the world. There are a lot of there's a lot of dialogue like that that seems to be setting stuff up that just never really gets paid off and just leaves right. it an open question. Like they talk about time travel a lot, and going back to those leaks I read, time travel was a part of that. And they talk about time travel a lot when you're exploring the world. They talk yeah. about Kratos's past well, with the fates, and yeah, because t- Kratos did time travel in the in the yeah exactly. Trilogy, so. so like there are a lot of threads that are brought up in these side conversations that just never go anywhere. Which almost makes it seem like uh, they didn't know what direction they wanted to go in, which and then the ending just feels so kind of rushed and matter of fact. Yeah, Delilah, I I, I hate your theory, but I got to admit there's some merit to it. And I thank you. I don't like that there's merit to it. I, <laughs> I don't know. like it, but <laughs> yeah, it's and and it just like as the game progresses, especially towards the end, where like you find out that. Um, uh, yeah, oh, these fucking realms they all meld in my head <laughs> um vanaheim you uh-huh. see like there's another like bolt a frozen bolt and yeah. it's like well me and thor didn't do that meaning kratos and thor didn't cause that like they did it in Ma- midgard mm-hmm. but who did that and then you find out later that it was a battle between fey and thor and i'm like well what the hell is happening like they were having drinks together when you do the missions with the the, the wayward spirits, um, they they tell you like basically that they were like drinking together and hanging out and then all of a sudden a big battle happened or something. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's so much about Faye that's just a mystery um, that I think even Kratos doesn't know and that Atreus doesn't know. And I feel like it's going to come to a head in later games. But when they're saying that this is the end, I'm wondering like how well, or why. End, it's like the end of, you know, it's so weird because it's the end of this Norse saga, but like they're now so embedded in the mythology within this continuity that like going, going to another mythology just would not make sense to me. It would make it messier. Like they only managed. And th- and that's because the transition from God of war, from the Greek, the Greek saga to the Norse saga, like the only commonality there was Kratos. Mm-hmm. Cause Kratos leaves the, 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 the Greek, pantheon the greek continuity completely in shambles he's basically the only one left standing in general no one else could go with him um this time it's very much different he's not murdering everybody he's only murdering who he needs to and every but the majority of people are still alive so it's like including his son who is one of the most important Norse figures in all of that mythology. So it's like, how do they move on to, apparently they already have the next mythologies like set like in mind. And I'm just like, well, where the hell could you go? Cause like so many of these Norse figures still exist with unresolved plot threads. Yeah, exactly. Including the one that we should probably talk about next. Well, uh, before, right before we do that, I'll just insert here, and we we talked about a bit of this off air. My hot take that this should have been too broken into two games uh-huh. to for, to fully explore it because contrast 2018 where they had the restraint to leave you with like a handful of characters, and you didn't even touch on Thor or Odin in those games, as opposed to Ragnarok where you have all this stuff shoved in. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, it was a lot. Definitely a lot. And, like, I get it. Like, they want to focus on Kratos and Atreus. Like, this is about Kratos' journey. Like, it, it, this game tugs at my heartstrings because, like, I, I've se- I've known Kratos since, like, 2005. You know what I mean? So, so to see him come to this, like, that's what they wanted me to feel. They wanted me to feel, like, his growth and, you know, how far he's come and all that stuff. And the redemption that he has with his current son um, prior – instead of what happened with his daughter – uh, Calliope so it's like you know I get what they're going for but then all these other characters a lot of freaking characters coming into play in Ragnarok specifically forget about the people that we already knew in 2018 they all just seem to have such relevance to like what's happening for yeah. Kratos's past but we just don't know what it is it's such a mystery that I all I could do is theorize and and yeah I wish like uh, I, I, w- I wish they wouldn't say that this is the end because it doesn't feel like it and what that means, sure, you know, that's fine. But, you know, I just feel like there's so much more to explore and unpack. And some of that is already unpacked in the endgame stuff. And yet there's still more. It makes you only want more. So it's messy, unfortunately. But um, yeah. it wasn't the point of the game, you know. I get yeah, the point of yeah. the game. And they definitely settled that, at least, you know, Kratos's growth. Mm-hmm. Um. I, let's talk a little bit about uh, Atreus. I, and I feel like Atreus, like his his arc was very focused on, um, like find finding what his purpose was, finding what he needed to do. He was very hung up on all the prophecy and both trying to break it, but really trying to fulfill it as well. Um, what did what did you how did you feel about his arc and and how that kind of played out? I well, I just want to say I assume that Atreus was going to be like some whiny teenager, and I actually wound up liking him a lot no, more than I thought. He did, not, he did not go through that whole phase again. Thank, thank God. goodness. <laughs> I really thought that based on the trailers, it seemed like they might have been going that direction, but he was actually like super awesome. Like I really, really liked Atreus. Um, the whole like him trying to find himself makes total sense. And I think the way they executed it, especially in facial animations with like kind of his mischievous nature was done so well, like his shifty eyes when you, you know, he was lying like that. You didn't know he was lying, but based on his eye movement, you could tell he was Atreus was kind of lying. And you definitely saw that like he was not just going to follow the steps of his father and like just listen to everything that Kratos tells him he he wanted to pave his own path and I, I thought that was good like I'm, I'm glad that it wasn't just like boy you do what I say and then it happens like he but it also didn't end up in like a major fight between them which is also good because that would have been right. I don't know maybe predictable and well I mean they do like not a literal like you know boss battle fight but they, they do there is tension there where he then that's what I've inevitably leads him to to go finally go to asgard although i did find it a little weird and funny like they accuse him of going to asgard and he's like i didn't go to asgard i'm gonna go to asgard yeah, yeah. it's like oh okay so to get back at them for what they accused you of doing you're gonna do exactly what they right you of doing. like bro run back to jotunheim and chill with anger boda like don't is- like <laughs> Yeah, that's the most like that's the most predictable teenage thing I guess he could have done in this game, but it's just like 
<laughs> it was it was an interesting dichotomy of like his his rebellious teenage phase instead of being something more akin to like what it was in 2018 where he just became a conniving little shit um <laughs> instead his uh he, he it was just frustration with an action right like kratos yeah. was just like no we just need to survive and thrive and move on on our own and atreus is like no like we gotta do something like stuff yeah. is it, it is a never-ending winter here and we gotta figure out what our role is in all this man like come on let's get to it yeah um, i uh we gotta talk about the jotunheim section that was boring um, as fuck that yep. was so boring and long <laughs> like yep. It was necessary. They had to give they had to give a meaningful introduction to Angerboda. What I don't think was necessary was it taking like three hours and taking the pacing and, and just screeching it to a halt. Yeah. Um that whole time I was just like, when the fuck is this and I don't know about you guys, I did not find Atreus to be particularly fun to play as. Nope. I actually enjoyed him. Um I, I enjoyed the difference. I felt like his um, archery felt better than uh, Aloy's. Um, not trying to like take a jab at that game, but well, it just felt more like intuitive and and like I don't know. I, I, I'm impressed, actually. I'll say because it's not they had a completely different gameplay, a combat type. Yeah. You're, you're an archer, but it felt as intuitive as when you were playing as Kratos. Like the button scheme was kind of similar. Yeah, like I'm not saying it was bad. Um, I just it, it's just like if if we're gonna compare the two, Kratos is much more fun to play as than Atreus is. Um, also, it's really funny that you bring up that he that you liked his combat better than Aloy's, which I would agree. And it's kind of funny that you know when you're playing as Atreus, all of a sudden all those pesky RPG mechanics just go right out the window. I um, wish they would have gone out the window for Kratos too, but we'll, we'll talk about that later because uh oh god. Can you imagine how much more stuff they could have fit in this game if they just got rid of all yes. those all of that stuff? I can't anyway. wait to talk about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but yeah, like I didn't find Atreus to be particularly fun to play as, so like having like a three hour stretch in Jotunheim where you're doing combat with him, but you're also just like riding a yak and picking apples and <laughs> fucking whatever else you were doing, picking mushrooms off of bark and, you know, I don't, skipping rocks. Yeah. The most interesting part of that was going to Gryla's, to Gryla's house mm -hmm. and like that, that, that was it, man. And like, I, like I said, it, it was necessary because they had to build the relationship between him and Anger Boda. Obviously, she's his love interest um, yeah. much more than Throot is because Loki and Anger Boda actually do have children together in, in Norse myth. So it's like, well, they got to build up that relationship a little bit. Um, but man, yeah. just what a slog to get. Yeah, like jala's adorable but she's way too slow and yeah they could have they could have definitely established that relationship in a shorter amount of time yeah. um which by the way gryla was also a really cool boss fight mm. i enjoyed that one yes that was that was a cool creative boss fight for sure um again another boss fight where you had to do more than just attack yeah um, but then it just kind of ends up nowhere like 
you know, the events happen. It's it's like a sudden dramatic moment where Gryla says some hurtful things. And she's never and then, brought up again. And it's never brought up again. And then all of a sudden there's this tonal whiplash where, oh, let's have a race. And it's like, what? Yeah. Like the, you, br- the you, race you brought didn't up. bother and, me so much. But it, you brought up and foreshadowed, you know, these potential like deeper, I, I don't know what the word you want to use is effects, these deeper implications of the things that Gryla is saying. And it just never gets brought up again. Yeah. And it's just kind of left there. And then Angraboda pops in here and there as a day ex machina. Yeah, I I assumed and theorized, and once again, this is all I do in this game because they don't really tie ends, is that Gryla, yeah, sure, she went mad based on her experiences, but I thought that maybe she was removing the souls of animals so that Odin couldn't take control of them in the way that he could, took control of the ravens. They never confirmed that or say it or hinted it. That's just That was my way of justifying the bullshit she put the animals through. Yeah, I mean, maybe. They pretty much just say, I I think they insinuate that she's, like, feeding on them or feeding off them. Um, And that's partly why Angerboda wanted to stop it. But you never really understand why what's happening is happening. Yeah. It's just, it's weird. I mean, the the, the real issue I have with all that was, like, like the the whole section in general in Jotunheim was, uh, well, A, the fact that that's really the only time you get to go and explore Jotunheim. Um post game, like you can go back to Ratatoskir, you can get the the rest of the 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 world tree seeds so that you can travel there, but you can only walk around her camp. Yeah. And all that's there flower. to do is yeah, get the flower and talk to her and see Fenrir again. And ride like, a that's, yak really slowly. You can't even do that. Like that, that you only do that as a trace at the beginning. Like Yeah, Fenrir is completely blocking the river that y- y- Yalo walks through there's just like nothing to do there and it's it's kind of it's kind of disappointing because like you're only there in the in 2018 at the very end of the game um it's the big climactic finish Um, i agree with you that there's nothing to do there but like the thing that you do there is perfect like you pet fenrir and you and cradles calls him a good boy which like reminds me this is once again endgame content when you're riding around uh midgar with the two uh, Svaki and Sveli or the two mm-hmm. female wolves um, Kratos like eventually he calls them good boys and Freya's like no they're girls and yeah. then you get a trophy for like petting them and like Kratos gets like all like lovable with them yeah. so yeah that was just, that's just part of like what the game was trying to run home like Kratos hugs now he pets dogs now like I don't know Yeah, um, but I loved it though <laughs> but again I feel like at the end of the day Angraboda very similar to Faye is another wasted character that really goes nowhere. She's really just there. Like the core purpose of Angerboda being there is to exposit lore info for you. And that's yeah. pretty much it. Right. And I like to an extent I like I, I do agree with what you were saying before, Jason, where maybe this did need to be two games because twenty eighteen was overall pretty honed in on what Norse topics and myths and stuff that it actually focused on um and then this game was like oh we have a lot more to cover and we're doing it all in one game all right so things a lot of things are mentioned a lot of things are used for like one and done kind of moments anger boat is brought up a couple more times and like you said she's a deus ex machina at the end um but like she could have been utilized a lot more and i didn't i also really did not like 
Um, the other thing that I didn't like about that section was at the very end where uh, Angerboda goes to give Atreus the marbles containing the giants, and he's like, no, you you need to hold on to these. You need the Pokeballs, yeah. Yeah, you need the Pokeballs. <laughs> it's like, well, that that should, I feel like that should have come up in a more important way later, but it never really did. Yeah. Um, any other, Jason, did you have anything you wanted to add about Atreus, or... Are we going um, to move on from him? N- not really. Uh, the, the Peter Parker quips annoyed me. Um, that's just a, we don't have to delve too into it. I just didn't like a lot of the anachronistic dialogue in this game. It was held to a minimum in the first game um, where, you know, every once in a while, Trace would just go, whatever. And it was like, this kind of out of place, modern-y speak, but it wasn't too much. In this game, it almost felt like Marvel level of quips at some points. Um, but, the, yeah. the, you know, it is what it is. Like yeah, he's kind of a dick, right? Yeah. I mean, um, his, his overall character arc is fine. Like, he's basically rebellious. He's an adolescent boy, and then he learns the error of his ways. Yeah. All right, let's talk about... Um, we got to talk about the elephant in the room, and that's Sindri. <laughs> um, obviously, Brock died. <laughs> the tear that we thought we knew... The tier that we go and save at the beginning of the game that kind of gets things really moving. Um, it was not really tier; it was Odin in disguise, as Odin likes to do. He likes to disguise himself as people he's not. Um, also, something I, I I also learned from that um, I, the podcast with uh, Eric Williams. I think it was in that that uh, that podcast. Um, anytime tears subtitled, yeah, the accent. in like the conversations, the accent isn't there. Mm. and then when you find him at the end of the game the accent is there because mm. that's, that's the real tear i i found that to be astonishingly interesting that's really very, cool i was i was like i did not notice that i didn't notice that yeah that's some brilliant foreshadowing in like a really meta way um <laughs> but anyway yeah and you know we could talk briefly about the the pseudo tier the uh, the odin tier um I was very underwhelmed finally meeting Tyr and finding him to be this very scared, um, anxious, and pretty defeated god of war. Right. Um, to the he got on my where, nerves. Well, yeah, he got on my nerves too. But like, obviously, it was all played up, and it wasn't really him. It was it was just a kind of gain everyone's trust and make them believe that he's really he basically had to be kept alive so that odin could take his form i think is the implication yeah and and you know the fact that you can find him in the post game the fact that you can uh you can save him and he really is a stark contrast to odin's version of him um i i was actually really disappointed i feel like we should have had to find him before the end Mm-hmm. And have him actually be a part of Ragnarok. Yes. Yeah, that would I mean, have been he, cool. In the actual myth, he is there at Ragnarok, and he's the one that fights and defeats Garm, and Garm defeats him at the same time. Well, doesn't he lose uh, his hand, or is that he earlier? Lo- he loses his he loses his hand to Fenrir. Fenrir, that's um, it. Yes. Yeah. Um, but you know, obviously, this continuity combining the two of them and Garm is Garm slash Fenrir are both on our on the the allies or the, the protagonist side, like. Tyr wouldn't die fighting Garm because he wouldn't be fighting Garm at all. Um, but the, like the fact that I, I I really feel like 
the, the, my my question throughout the, the through after the the big reveal that it wasn't really tier was it just had me being like okay so where is the real tier like yeah is, has he really just been dead this whole time and the, you, it's something you could again you could completely miss not even find if you don't like explore Niflheim at the in after the credits roll and I I don't like that I feel like tier really should have been rescued he ends up being an afterthought of, yeah yeah like and, and and you know they they don't even make a big song and dance about it you just kind of open a cell and it's like <gasps> It's here, yeah. and he's like, "Hey guys, it's me. You're good out here. <laughs> I've been locked away for so long. I'm gonna go walk around the realms, and then apparently you can go around the world and find him in all the all the nine realms, just like there. Um, which like is cool, but like he should have been part of Ragnarok. He really should have. You really should have had to rescue him as a mandatory thing, and then have him be part of the final fight. Hard agree. Hard agree. I." I, I, yeah, it was both a that was both a satisfying thing, but also a very disappointing thing. It was satisfying in the sense that he's alive and you can actually find him. It was disappointing in that he has no bearing on anything. Yeah, especially um, given all that build up to it, which I guess you could look at it as like they're pulling the rug the rug out from under you. They're subverting expectations, but the yeah. ultimate payoff to it is unsatisfying because it's just like almost an Easter egg. Yes, right, exactly exactly um but that you know going back to why tears involved with what we were talking about before anyway is uh, odin was disguised as tear stabs brock brock's dead and sin sin as we were alluding to before sindri just unravels this germ this anxious germaphobe is just <laughs> very fucking pissed and he's mad and blames kratos and atreus because he didn't want any of this to happen and um he they invited this person into their home that wasn't real and you know he he's just finding someone to blame it's not really their fault it's no one's fault no one could have seen that coming everyone was fooled yeah um i think he knows that he just like he's not ready to like admit that he understands that or he's just not he's seeing black right now you know yeah he's grieving just happened yeah like imagine, um, like your you, your best friend dies, and then the next day you're like at war. Yeah. Um, Which I actually like that it, it leaves that unresolved. Although that might just be a matter of personal taste. Yeah. Uh, we, and and you know we'll see we'll see where that goes. Obviously, we we you can go to Brock's funeral at the after the the cred after the um the the first sequence of credits it's actually just a side quest that triggers the the main credits um but it's still like an important conclusion conclusory moment um you you go to Svartalfheim and uh and, and go to the funeral thing with um what is his name Durlin and the other the, the bar elf or bar dwarf. L- Lunda well, Lunda's no, Lunda's the, Lunda is there, but like I know who you're talking about. It's the yeah, guy, the one, the one that mans the bar. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot his name. Um, and yeah, Sindri shows up, and Kratos tries to talk to him, and he's just like, no. Yeah, it's very different. sudden and matter of fact. Like, he just gives yeah. him a look, and then it goes to credits. Yeah. Well, he yeah. Well, he also blinks out like he does the, his whole special technique thing where they yeah. just like blink in and out of places. He just blinks out and. It, that's it um i do wonder where and how that's going to develop in the future um if it does at all 
who knows, maybe Sindri just finds a, a place to hide for the rest of his life and that's what he does. Um, it's really sad. It's really tragic. Which I like. I, I like the tragic element of it because it's it's well it's very well built up over the course of the game where he it starts out with, you know, I kind of got this secret. And you find out what it is and it's like it's simultaneously horrifying but at the same time really shows the love that Sindri had for his brother and then the end result of it all and it just worked to click for me and, and Brock even tells him that he he knows and he forgives him and mm-hmm. it's just it's a difficult moment and again really because because moment. those are the t- first two characters you really meet well actually no I think you meet do you meet Sindri after Freya I know Brock is the first one but I don't honestly, it doesn't don't it doesn't really matter, matter. You, it doesn't matter they're yeah. basically the two characters you really have the most face time with over the course of the two mm-hmm. games so there's it feels like there's a satisfying build-up and payoff with them yeah um ah oh shit there was something else I wanted to bring up oh the 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 the, the last big thing that you kind of do with Brock is getting what I what I would might label as the biggest surprise of the game um on the going to the forge and getting a third weapon right um which i thought was immensely clever the, the spear yeah the collector's editions came with Dropnir, and Dropnir is a it's actually it's supposed to be an arm ring um that yeah every like eighth night it drips eight identical rings and that's why there's so many rings in the basement uh it was a gift for the gods so it was really supposed to be in odin's possession and then they kind of allude to the fact that they took it back but i don't they don't really elaborate on as to how um but it was a really clever um it was a it was a really clever way of incorporate i was wondering like why it was dropped near just like a collector's edition item because like it's a Norse thing that they could include in the collector's edition to find out it was actually kind of a big part of the main plot. Um, I, I thought that was really, really clever and really well executed. Yeah. It's also and just cool because the spear. Oh, Sorry, no, all I was going to say is it's just that line, you know, the spear is the first weapon I learned to use. Like it, it kind of brings oh, it yeah. all home for critters. And it makes sense that you would have a Spartan using a spear and shield. Like, yeah. And it's extremely fun to use. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the Sindri's progression, some of the best parts of this game and really, really sad and upsetting. And the, the way it ends off is just, it's, it's a lot. And it's very like, again, like while I have criticism more, probably more criticisms than praises for the story, that moment between Kratos and Brock after the mermaid forges the sword and clearly doesn't uh, doesn't see Brock, um, which is obviously foreshadowing, like him realizing the truth. Yeah. Um, there's that really tender moment between him and Kratos that I I think it's one of the best moments in the game. I I can't praise its execution enough. Mm-hmm. Can we just mention how Freya had more of a reaction to Brock uh, to that death than uh, than to Freyers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like also let, let's let's be let's be honest like the escape from Ragnarok after and where Freyr sacrifices himself like the the perspective kind of shifts to Atreus and he's knocked out unconscious for an un, un an undisclosed amount of time like maybe she had more of a reaction and grieved during that bit but 
we don't see that so it's it is kind of off-putting that you know we don't see her grieve her brother but yeah she definitely has a reaction to brock dying yeah and and the way that's framed is weird too because it's almost like it could be interpreted as because atreus pushes kratos through the portal and then it just goes to white so there were a few minutes where I actually thought that this was like a dream alternate, you know, happy ending. Oh, God. But in reality, Atre like that's what I actually thought the first few minutes of that sequence of walking as Atreus and seeing all the characters. I thought this was like, no, it can't end this like is this. Way this is too optimistic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I actually thought Atreus in reality died. Mm. I mean, I really thought they were going to kill Kratos off in this game. So did I. And I, I think uh... it would have been more satisfying, but... I don't know that it would have been. I, I like I said, I do feel that the conclusion they went with with this character, I, I do genuinely think is the perfect close to his arc. Um, we'll talk more about that during the final question, but like, I, I, I don't. I, I, I'm pretty satisfied with the ending for as far as Kratos is concerned. Yeah, me too. I don't. I think it would have been too soon, especially based off how they built him up in this game. Yeah. Um. I feel like we don't have much more to say about Odin. I I, he, I think he was well executed as a villain. Yes. Um, in that he was just very he was very deceptive. He was very shifty. Um, he framed himself as an ally, but like he's only there to serve himself. And um, I I know a lot of people were really hyped about him being played by Richard Schiff from uh, West Wing, and I think that Schiff did a great job uh playing him yeah again the voice acting the performance is all top notch and here is probably one of the best ones in the game yeah um and yeah so, like his boss battle might have had uninteresting mechanics as we discussed but as a character and as a portrayal i i specifically like the kind of like mob boss portrayal yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. definitely he was very charming too right yeah um, also, uh, this is a good transition into the next person. I really like, we, we talked in the last episode, the, the God of War 2018 episode, we talked about how this, this continuity assumes that Frigg and Freya are the same person. Frigg was Odin's wife. And I really it's a pet appreciate, name. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate that Odin, it was like kind of a point of annoyance for Freya that yeah. he would refer to her as Frigg. Although in in, um, in the more Germanic, because the Germanic versions of this mythology are somewhat different. So like Frigg is actually the name in the Germanic portrayals. Well, it, it, there, yeah. it's, it's, there's some contention. Sometimes yeah. sometimes they're looked at as two different, uh, two different people. Sometimes right. they're looked at as the same person. Yes, yeah, sometimes, sometimes she's portrayed as like a goddess of fertility. Sometimes a goddess of war. Sometimes both. It's... Well, in, at least what I'm basing all my knowledge off of, Freya is a Vanir goddess, whereas Frigg is an Aesir goddess. And yes. Frigg be and and Freya never marries Odin. Frigg marries Odin. So in order to have that connection between uh, Odin and Freya in this game, and also have Balder be Freya's son, they um they they, they combine the they combine the two in this continuity, which is sometimes an accepted view of the two characters. Yeah, it's so a problem. It's, it's a problem you run into with an oral tradition that, as opposed to like Greek mythology, which is a very, you have a few definitive sources and it's a very small geographical area. Yeah. 
Norse mythology covers a very large geographic area, and so there are incongruities and consistencies. Yeah. And was not very well recorded either. Right, exactly. So, um, anyway, talk, let's. this is my very sloppy transition into talking about Freya. Um, <laughs> I opening the game with her attacking Kratos and, and Atreus was, uh, um, I mean, it was the most on rails kind of scripted opening you could have had, I guess, but it was still pretty, a pretty bombastic way to open the game. Yeah. Um, I didn't expect them to go into that so soon. They went into Freya so soon and Thor like immediately. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people were praising the opening. I kind of, thought that the opening was just like it was a whole lot happening very quickly with very little room to breathe and it also simultaneously felt like the game was taking too long to get started because it's... we had to do so much we we get attacked by freya get back home and then atreus is grieving for fenrir and goes out so you got to go find him and then you fight him as a bear and then you get back to the house and Thor comes a knock in with Odin and then you fight Thor and then you get back and Trace is like, okay, we really need to go, dad, come on, I have to show you the shrine. And then you go to the shrine. It was just like a whole lot of setup that just went on for a really long time until it was, you finally got your first real objective, which is to uh, to go to Svartalfheim and, and look for Tyr. Yeah, there's definitely a pacing issue with the game that can, in my case, be really exaggerated if you're also doing the side content alongside the main story where the yeah. game will have chunks where it's moving at breakneck speed and then it just slows to molasses for hours on end before it picks up again and then slows to molasses again yeah i think yeah that having such quick pacing in the beginning and then going to spartal five minute being a very puzzly long section and then even vanaheim even longer um, definitely made the middle and then anger Boda, forget about it. It made that middle like kind of drag out a lot until you had those like big boss set pieces. Yeah. But yeah, getting there was kind of like, like what happened to the pace in the beginning of the game? It was like all of this in the front and then it was kind of like dying down in the middle. And then at the end you had a lot more like, you know, the pacing picked up and I thought, actually I thought the ending of the game was paced very well, but the middle was kind of slow and the beginning was very fast. You're right. Um, anyway, back to Freya. Uh, did you guys see them actually? Re I, I I went into this game assuming that she would be like a secondary villain. Um, never would have seen them reconciling coming, and definitely did not see her being probably the more primary companion character than Atreus was. Um, yeah, so I, I knew from the leaks. Um, well, yeah, but it's also. Uh, but if you hadn't seen the leaks, would you have expected that? Uh, yes, because she's basically one of my primary problems with Frey's story is that there's a, un, unless you do the side content, which her side quest is more interesting than the main story itself. Her story is basically she's your enemy until she's not, and there's not even a really great transition to it. Like she yeah. just looks away and is like, "I can use you. You're more valuable to me." And yes, there's a little bit of dialogue where she's like, you know, I still haven't decided if I'm going to kill you. But if you die in that sequence, she'll like start mourning you and talking about how Kratos, you can't die. Like, it's a really weird, jarring um, whiplash. Yeah. Where like, it's very obvious that she's going to make up with you. But they're trying their best to like drag it out and make it seem like she's not. But you know she is. Like as, yeah. soon, as, as soon as that scene happens where I think it's right after the, the 
Valkyrie boss fight with her, as soon as she like looks away when Atreus is tending the Kratos, it's like you know right then. Yeah, I mean, I I do I do kind of think that there there needed to be more of a a uh, a better catalyst to their reconciliation than just go him going to Vanaheim and helping her break the spell, right? Um, which you do get in the side quest where you go to the site of their wedding, Odin and Freya, and you yeah. have to destroy the wedding gift artifacts, and it ends with her pull, trying to pull her sword that was stabbed into the stone. And there's a very clear parallel there with the, the Blades of Chaos. And I yeah. feel like there's more about her character explored there than at any point in the main story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some, some of the side content definitely would have benefited from being incorporated into the plot over some of the actual plot points. I don't disagree that that side quest was definitely a standout. Um, I thought like it was that. really cool. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I, I was going to say just like, just like I felt rescuing tear needed to be part of the plot. Go ahead. Right. Go ahead. Delilah. No, I was just gonna say, I thought it was really cool that I didn't realize she had like a second, a sword hilt and the, and the back of her outfit until like that scene where she gets the second sword and, now I want to go back and see if like it was there the whole time. I'm sure it was, but that was really cool detail. Yeah. A lot of attention to detail in this game that like I think is worth bringing up. Yeah. The one problem I'll say about her being a companion character was that with they they kind of juggle, you know, some some parts of the story Freya will be with you and then some parts of the story Atreus will be with you and it kind of harms the progression of either character. Uh, especially because there's certain things that Atreus only Atreus has certain summons, certain abilities, certain abilities, whatever that you can progress. But like at, at in, in the end game, you'll never see them again. Yeah, you don't have him with you, and uh, you and you never get to use some of his stuff again. He's got summons that you'll just never get to. You'll never get to experience because um, he's not with a, a, a Kratos anymore. So uh, splitting splitting their um, progression like kind of like that was just I I didn't really like that I I think they should have tried to merge them a little better so progressing one would also progress the other somewhat and maybe yeah give everything Atreus had also over to Freya so that you'd have it in the end game mm -hmm. I, I mean we'll get into this in the gameplay but I I just feel like generally if they just got rid of that type of progression system period oh. it would have just been a stronger game yeah you and I are we're, we're all I think all three of us are going to be very critical yeah in our, in our 2018 discussion we talked about how we all kind of prefer the original combat but yeah. my opinion has just soured even more to the point of I just think the original combat is just objectively better for an action game. Granted, there are RPG mechanics here, but do they need to be there? Well, uh, we'll, 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 we'll get we'll, into that. We'll, but we'll get yeah. into that because I like I have opinion about I have a, a lot of opinions about what is and isn't RPG uh, mechanics or what are and aren't RPG mechanics. Mm -hmm. um, other characters we haven't talked much about. We didn't really talk about Thrude. Thrude is she's like cool. <laughs> um but like i feel like she doesn't matter all that much she's there really in the end she's re really there to facilitate thor's arc to, to and and, and also to be kind of like the other side of the a friend to atreus on the other side of the of the big mm -hmm. nor core norse conflict which is the aesir gods versus the giants whereas anger boda is another person his age that he befriends and 
is all also happens to be of the opposite sex so it's kind of like oh she could kind of be a love interest to him well so could Thrude, except she's on yeah. the other side of that line right they she's like, an ac or god they like pl- play at potentially a love triangle but it never really becomes anything yeah, because yeah, that would just be another thing that this game has somehow has to fit in and yeah. do something meaningful with. And again, does not have the time to do. The key question: Should it have been two games? Yeah, yeah. Um, I did. I and I did like coupling off of that. I did like Sif uh, eventually because the kind of the combination of the, the of that family arc, um, with Thor, Sif, and Thrud. Um, yeah, I, I do. I yeah, I, I do agree. The only criticism that I'll have of Sif is that her turn against the Aesir, because if you think about it, before Sif um, comes out during Ragnarok and says, no, Loki is right, Odin needs to be put down. The last time that Loki saw Sif, she was walking up with two Valkyries like, yo, they killed Heimdall, let's kill this motherfucker. And then the next time you see Sif, she's all... You know, like no, no. Well, we need to, to end be this. fair, to be fair, her her realization that Odin was actually terrible was the fact that he was willing to sacrifice those. She always knew that, though. Like that was that's one of the core yeah, of. Yeah, well, Thor's she didn't like arc. how she didn't like how he treated Thor, and she wanted Thor to stand up to yeah. him. But like he, she's. I, I think they all still kind of viewed Odin as their protector. It, it was kind of a it was it kind of hit different when she realized who, that he was really willing to sacrifice basically anyone if it meant that he right the, the mid guardians that he was using yeah. as a human shield yeah. yeah and i think I, that was i think the real kickoff point it's just another another point like with freya where it's like she was your enemy until she wasn't yeah no i, I agree and it, um, it just has to do with the pacing and the speed at which all these events are happening at that point in time mm-hmm but I just really liked the enjoyed the family drama and the progression of of that story. That bar fight was so fun. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Everything to do with Thor. You know, it's funny. It's like uh, it's kind of like how Katase talked about Sephiroth in the original Final Fantasy VII. How they thought of it like Jaws, like the less you saw of him, the more. It's kind of the same with Thor, where like the le- you don't see too much of him over the course of the game, but when you do, yeah. it's impactful. Yeah. Yeah. And and the story there is really good, and like I said, it's it's basically all, all, in many ways parallel to the story of Reinhardt's character and Opie in uh, Sons of Anarchy, which don't need to delve too deeply into. But it's a very, it's a good family drama where like a guy with a troubled past is trying to make amends, and he's struggling with it, and he fails, but he ultimately makes the right decision. Yeah. Um. The only other character that I I would want to like I feel like we could talk about Mimir, but Mimir doesn't have like a ton of development in this game. You find out more about his past when in the side quests, yeah, in, in the, the side, side quests. quests, and all of Mimir's side quests are basically parallels to things going on with the main characters in the main story. Yeah. Um. Um. I will say that the first of all, Heimdall, total asshole. Yeah perfectly executed character super well super well done super well executed um and i really it it was really interesting when you fight him as atreus and you cannot lay a single hit on him Mm -hmm. to the and to the point where he's the catalyst to going and getting a new weapon Mm -hmm. um i i I, that that boss fight ruled and the end of it all when you he he is so unwilling to just accept that he lost and and 
kind of goads Kratos into killing him and Mimir falling on the ground and seeing him actually commit the act. Cause Mimir never really sees most of the stuff. He's always yeah. on Kratos' mm-hmm. ass. Just <laughs> like he actually sees this and he's like, brother. And like, yeah, that was a was, really yeah. impactful scene. Although, the, only, the only criticism I have on that scene, and it's not even a criticism. It's just, I guess, a preference thing. I wish they had gone further and just had him beat his head to a pulp. Like uh, he does Hercules like Zeus. and no Hercules and well yeah Zeus too, but, yeah. But like I if if you're gonna have a moment where Kratos breaks and like reverts to those old ways, just go all the way with it. Yeah, well, and that's kind of that's kind of a problem I have with like one of the I guess one of the themes of this of this game. I guess you could look at it as like control or uh, wh- however you want to put it, which is kind of a theme in the first or not the first game, 2018 as well, where Kratos is just trying to control his rage and and not revert back to his old ways like rehashing that theme here and like making it out as if it's a big deal that kratos murdered someone who he heard was prophesized to kill potentially kill his son and like make make it seem like he did something wrong i'm just like how the guy was a threat yeah <laughs> like he was just doing what he really th- it's not like it's not like he it was out of spite it's not like the original trilogy where he was just killing them to take revenge. And he, he does show mercy him to a, him at first. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which to it. Yeah. Which is why I was like rehashing that old plot point and trying to make a big deal about it. Just didn't sit re- well with me. Didn't sit right with me. It kind of just didn't make any sense. Um, so I, that's kind of the last point I want to make on Heimdall. And, and I guess one of the themes of this game, I guess they're just trying to show that like it can come back if given you know the right circumstances like that rage could surface again and he's really like trying hard not to he even says it like every path i walk leads to vengeance which for me sounds like foreshadowing for future shit but it maybe it it was just relevant to that moment yeah i think i think it was just relevant to that moment personally um any other character or story stuff that we need to talk about before we move on to some other things I don't think so. No, I mean, I mean, you have you have Radagasker listed here, but I mean, he's a squirrel. Yeah, Radagasker. He's, he's a like, squirrel. He, he a, talks. He's there. He was a delightful character. I really liked that he was. They, they, I feel like they picked the perfect voice actor for him. Um, they got. I don't know. I don't know his actual name. I only know him by his YouTube name, which is ProZD. Um, he does like funny little YouTube skits that are usually like anywhere between like ten to ten and fifteen to like a minute long, ten to fifteen seconds to like a minute long. Um, he's really funny and i think he he did great as as all the different personalities of ratatasker yeah um a character meant for comic relief but also just like really well done right um i particularly like the dialogue if you keep hitting the chimes over and over again and you just increasingly piss him off (laughs) yeah like the bitter the bitter squirrel if you don't walk away right away after you're done talking the bitter squirrel is just like what you don't know how to end a conversation you just walk away (laughs) just walk away yeah but really if you keep if you keep hitting the chime he's just like oh i see you're trying to get me riled up well it will not work and then eventually he just breaks and like starts yelling at you stop the damn chimes yeah yeah I mean, there's like a couple things like that with that character. It's it's really well done. I, I Prozy did a great job as Red Tosker. Again, the voice overall, act- I like. Yeah, again, the voice acting, the facial anime, even for like a squirrel, like it, it it's yeah, so high quality, well done, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, we've already kind of talked about the themes that I, I feel this game had. I don't know that we need to drill down more into that stuff. I just and the, I, yeah, the, and the game will hit you over the head with it way more than it needs to. How many times yeah, did they say be better? Like we're not not even that. Just like every the amount of, like I said, take a shot every time you hear the word trust, and you'll you'll be trashed before you know it. It's. And, it's way too heavy-handed. And yeah, and this is a side note about some of the dialogue and and going back to what I was saying earlier about there being so many writers and seemingly some of the writers seem disconnected from other ones. Like there's a scene where Kratos sits down and he's like he, they basically explicitly state their character arcs like Kratos sits down and says, "I have been too controlling and I haven't changed. I'm sorry, Atreus." And then Atreus awkwardly says, "No, father, I'm sorry too. I was being rebellious and reckless. We need to be better." And it's like if I'm if I was an editor of those writers, I'd be like, take ninety percent of this shit off. Just have Kratos say, "I'm sorry." Trey says he's sorry. Be better. Like the audience I, knows the characters' arcs. You don't have to state it explicitly. Honestly, and in those parts, like the thing that the thing that really worked best for me, and like honestly, I feel like they didn't even need to explicitly say a lot of stuff. The times where Kratos and Atreus hugged were the only mm -hmm. times in the entire game that I really teared up. And it goes yeah. back to the, the visual storytelling that with that with almost no dialogue that happened in the first game. Yeah, it was the moments like that and, and moments like, like like yeah, like I know exactly what you're talking about. Like the like the part where like Atreus kills the the deer, the deer and, and the Kratos, hand. Yeah, he goes to put his which, hand on the shoulder and doesn't. Which was taken from Pandora in God of War three that happened in god of war 3 um anyway i i any any the only times i teared up in this game were anytime they hugged especially after oh man especially after they reunited yeah that um, was like really intense yeah like i what, what was that right before um right right before going to helheim um mm -hmm. Like Kratos and and the and the line too that Kratos said to him was like, "What do I call you, Atreus or Loki?" And he yeah. just hugs him, and I was like, "Oh fuck, yeah. here we go." That's a great that, when I when I met I messaged you too saying like something just happened yeah. that actually got me emotional. That was the moment mm -hmm. that I was yeah, and that I, was I, really I, emotional. I knew what you were talking about, and the, there are individual great scenes like that that in a vacuum yeah. work fantastically. Like during Ragnarok, when he says to Atreus, "Open your heart to it." Yeah, great scenes like that that are just bogged down in a lot of really messy, you know, stuff that we've been talking about for almost two hours yeah. now, or over two hours now. Yeah, over two or, hours. Or even when Atreus comes to the tent right before the battle and like sleeps with them, and yeah, he said, that yeah. was really nice. He was really excited about having his own tent, and then a few minutes later, he pops into the Curtis's tent, and is like, "Can I sleep here tonight?" Yeah, that was that was sweet as hell. Yeah, they had a lot um, of good moments like that. I, I obviously cried at that like wolf moment in the beginning with Fenrir because like yeah. it, it it's how like that's how that shit plays out. Like it starts with them not eating, and yeah. so like I, I got that, and then the Brock moment. Like I think I cried like four times in this game, and it was basically hugs or death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we didn't even we didn't even bring up with Atreus part of his gameplay um, being able to turn into animals. Um, how did you guys feel about those sections? Really, I guess the big reveal of that was fighting the bear that turns out to be a trap. I didn't. I honestly didn't really expect that. Um, no, I would like for the for the bear to have been him. I was like, oh, cool. They're actually going to play into this. That's great. The fact that he can shapeshift. That's that's you know good. 
Good. Yeah, that, that was really cool. Um, but then at the end of the game where you have that like Guardians of the Galaxy moment. <laughs> <you're> like... <laughs> against the wasn't that against the two The, the two, two Valkyries, Valkyries yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was And they end with that pose that looks like it's a <laughs> right. it's like a victory scene about. from yeah, it's like a victory scene from Super Smash Brothers, like I feel like I feel like that's like the screen where like the persona like the Persona 5 like results screen of, of after the battle is going to pop up like experience points money yeah yes exactly <laughs> uh, you're almost expecting Kratos to point out like Ace Attorney like <laughs> yeah that was uh that was something <laughs> that I, whole that whole section was really cool period if that wasn't such a massive spoiler for late game for like a late game moment I would almost say let's make that the thumbnail for this episode but... right yeah no, uh, we can't do that. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, all right, let's let's move on to some other stuff. Uh, the nine realms, uh, we did didn't get to visit all nine. We got to visit six in 2018. Was uh, I think I think that they balanced out the fact that the realms that we didn't get to visit in the 2018 game, namely Svartalfheim, um, uh vanaheim and asgard uh, at least the first two were definitely they, they definitely tried to make up for that fact by making those two the beefiest areas of the game asgard mm-hmm. obviously was a little harder to they, they couldn't really make that explorable because that needed to service a lot more story um, elements yeah yeah core plot moments but how did you guys feel about the nine realms did you have any favorites um any place that you didn't like going to the only realm that I really enjoyed was Midgard, and that's because it was like exploring the Lake of the Nine, except in like ice. You know, you're just you're just happy you got to hang out with some puppies, and I hung out with some puppies, of course. <laughs> um, and then also was it? Uh, oh my God, Alfheim, um, where you released the jellyfish? Yeah, yeah. And see, yeah. like seeing that, like just the jellyfish constantly in the sky, um, was a really cool thing like way to explore it um that was also the easiest realm to kind of clean up uh whereas vanaheim was my least favorite because (sighs) it was so windy i loved vanaheim but there was yeah entirely too much stuff there it depends it depends how you approach it so i i I started to dread vanaheim because i made sure to do everything before i continue with the main story yeah so i feel like that contributes to it I feel like the pacing, a lot of it can be contri- attributed to, do you just continue with the story or do you stop and make sure you're doing everything? So and I, and I actually yeah. didn't do any side stuff except for what was right in my face. So I didn't explore Vanaheim. I actually stopped myself from going, when you go to the crater and you follow like the boar there, I was like, oh no, this I can tell this is opening up a lot. Um, and even still, if you just do it all post game, there's still certain things that you need to do in Vanaheim specifically for you to complete it. You have to do it in a specific order, but the game doesn't tell you to do it in that order. So you wind mm-hmm. up exploring and finding things and then you you wind up not being able to do everything until you do something else. And that was very annoying. Yeah. The, the, I, I, you know, it, it kind of goes against my general opinion about um, how open video games can be. But like, I did enjoy Vanaheim just because I felt like the stuff the majority of the stuff that we were doing in Vanaheim was the, was the most meaningful stuff. It was some of the best side content in the game. Um, but there was entirely too much of it. Yeah. 
Um, and Alfheim, Alfheim was the first instance of you go out to that first big open area, uh, which is all just side content. And that's, that was the first point that I realized, oh God, this game is going to. Yeah. Cause that's just half the time. area. Yeah. You can't yeah. go in until later to fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so. Okay. Yeah. I, what I was your favorite realm? Probably Vanaheim. I, I really did like Vanaheim. My least favorite was probably Moosebullheim because I don't like how they did the trials. Around. Um, they so were stupid. Yeah, like you have to do you have to do the the initial challenges or whatever, and then the final challenges are just from doing these. There's these three cha- the, in the three uh, initial arenas. You do one, and then you do a second one, and you unlock a new final challenge, and then you have to do them all in dif- different order. So you wind up doing every single one of those challenges, I think, at least three times. Yeah, and that's if you know what you're doing, because no, I didn't know. I think it's even more than that. Sorry, it's six. Well, okay, so you do them in it. So there's three challenges within each door. There's three doors, and within each door, there's three challenges. So you have to do that to unlock the last six. And to do the last six, you have to do like door one, door two, then door two, door one. Yeah, in just, six I'm times. Just, I saw th- yeah. I saw all this yeah. on on YouTube, like how you had to remember which platform it was, and you know, beat all the the time waves of enemies. And I was just like, Fuck. it was the same reaction I had to Muspelheim in the original game. Like, yeah, but I, it wasn't it wasn't nearly as convoluted or frustrating in the original. From what or I remember, confusing, I even, yeah, yeah, or confusing. The, the thing about like the first Muspelheim is you're literally climbing a mountain, and as you climb the mountain, it gives you the challenges, and yeah. then you get up to the final challenge, which is the Valkyrie, one of the Valkyries. Right. And in this one, it's like you're in this one arena, which I'm fine with, but then just give me the last six challenges instead of making me do some weird order bullshit to unlock them yeah doing things that i've already done to unlock new things that i haven't done yet just yeah waste of time done yet and like it sucks because i i did i as far as i could tell there was no way for me to determine which order of things i had already done so i like desperately wanted to take a break and i was like no if i come if i take a break I might come back to this tomorrow and not remember which one, which order of things yeah. I haven't done yet. So yeah. I'm just going to bang them all out right then and there. And it was just exhausting and frustrating and I hated it. Yeah. And, and that was just one section of Muspelheim. Like you do have the normal like volcanic section, which was totally fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was a really bad, Muspelheim in the first game wasn't great. And Neither was Niflheim, I think. Yeah, um, but at least Niflheim this time around. This was time, like... I-, I wish they would have done the same with Muspelheim. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Cut it out. <laughs> yeah. Or at least just okay. make it a small explorable area. You don't have to do this whole big thing. Yeah. Yeah, like get rid of the challenges. Who, ca- who cares about that? Throw the Valkyrie in there and then keep it moving. Yeah. Um, as far as like other side content, the only other thing that uh, I, besides like the end, the two end game uh, bosses, the only bit of side content that I really want to bring up and talk about that we haven't already discussed, like besides the side quests that we brought up that were worth talking about, um, I I I I was geeking out about Kavasir's poems, guys. <laughs> I got three of them before I realized what they were. Yeah. 
and I every time I got a new one, I was like, oh, let me interpret which game is this referring to? They're all they're all PlayStation game references. So it's yeah, a nice little Easter egg. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I really, really loved that. It was fun, but what made it cooler is that Mimir kept trying to ask Kratos, like, which was his favorite poem, and he was like, I don't have a favorite. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, asking, like, if they had poetry from his land, and he's like, of course, we were Greek. The Greeks are known for their poetry. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The only only bit about that, that Kratos' side uh, dialogue that, and this is mainly just because history geek thing, he says he was at the Battle of Thermopylae, the Battle of the 300, and simultaneously talks about being at the Trojan Wars, which are like thousands of years apart. This is all presumably before he becomes a god. So, hmm. I mean, you got to you got to take some of this stuff. With I know, you. I know. It's just it's just a minor thing that I was like, mm, but that's yeah. just me being a history geek like. I yeah. mean, uh, I, I say you got to take some of this with a grain of salt. Meanwhile, I'm like, that's not how Odin lost his eye, goddammit. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are you talking about, game? <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, let's... Let, uh, is there any other side content you guys wanted to bring up? No, I mean, I just... Game bosses, we'll talk about them a little bit. I just thought that the, the stuff adding to the characters was cool, but also annoying that, like, people are going to miss out on that. That's it. There's yeah. a lot there. Oh, a bit of dialogue that I just remembered that I really loved was them talking about uh, Kratos and Mimir talking about like the foods that they missed. And Kratos said that he really missed olives. olive oil. Yeah, olive oil. Yeah. Um, Mimir was like, what the hell is an olive? olive? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, some of that, so, and that, that goes back to the dialogue. Some of that stuff lands. And this yeah. is how, like, a, you know, there are different writers. And then some of it is like, you're not lucky. You're low key, and I just want to bash my head against the wall. Oh yeah, I hated that. That 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 was a terrible line. Um, what was the one with Brock? It was like the juicy. Um, I know what you're talking knocking. about. Yes. Yeah, where Sindri was, uh, where Sindri was telling telling them why um, Brock was banned from uh, Alfheim. I think it was Alfheim, and it's because he he talked about a a, a juicy knocking. Or Noken, and Atreus was about to ask, "What is a juicy Noken?" And Kratos interjects, and is just like, "No." Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, okay, L- let's talk. We we, we got to keep moving here. So let's talk about the uh, combat and the progression system, and why we wish it was not an RPG or not a action game trying to be an RPG. I'm just like sick and tired of action adventure games feeling like they need to implement RPG mechanics. I remember when it first started happening, I thought it was cool. But now that every game's doing it, I hate it. And I just feel like I'm spending more time in menus, like trying to figure out what's worth leveling up and what's not. And we we had to upgrade every single armor piece. And I'm like, why couldn't it just be at least a set if we're going to come to some sort of, you know, balance? But no, you had to worry about armor sets, relics, runes, amulets, like all this bullshit that I'm like, yo, this is like, this is Kratos. Like he doesn't even one need armor. Like you could freaking bash through things like without armor. He literally was shirtless for the first three games. And then now you're adding like all these different types of armor. And I feel like most of the time when I lose in a battle, it's not because I'm bad. It's because I don't have the right level. And that annoys me. I feel like if I'm like going to a place and fighting something and it's not an RPG, I should be able to take it out. 
not have to like come back to this place with like better armor and a higher level in order to like fight the enemy effectively this is an action game that's not really focused on whether or not its combat is up to snuff with the encounters that you're actually uh, facing um it's more concerned with making sure your stats are up to snuff yeah and, and the inherent problem for me with adding these rpg elements is that it becomes less about a traditional hack and slash games like the original trilogy was which was inspired by devil may cry um it becomes less about comboing and getting in these fantastic combat situations and it becomes more about if it like my rpg brain click clicks in and i'm worried about efficiency and you really come to the conclusion that the most efficient thing you can do use two runic attacks do a couple of hits to get burn or frost or whatever to enhance your next weapon switch to the next weapon do the runic attacks and you're triggering cooldowns you're basically trying to use your cooldowns as efficiently as possible so it becomes less about the combos and more about just all right window to attack now i defend parry keep going back to that use your runic attacks do a few hits switch weapons runic attacks um, and that becomes the most efficient way just because of the design of the combat and it becomes boring as it, at first it's fun and it but it just loses its luster over the course of the game yeah each each weapon has its own upgrade path that gets you new moves and it's really disappointing when like it, you're when you're in like a boss fight especially with a lot of the end game optional bosses and, and stuff. you can't actually do the full combo you can't well you can't do mo the most of those moves are, are they're so circumstantial and they right. just don't apply to those bosses you wind up doing exactly what you just said which is what i did with every berserker boss fight basically you uh, pop all your cooldowns and you you, you you get in some attacks when you can until those cooldowns come back and then you just rinse and repeat and yeah. that's how you that's how you beat all those bosses that doesn't make for very good combat <laughs> i'm sorry it and it's, really and it's, doesn't and the other side of it is this camera um the over-the-shoulder camera which i felt worked well especially with the one-on-one -on -one bosses um in the original game and i was able to tolerate it but here with the encounter design being so mob heavy and yeah. getting and the on-screen indicators can get it's confusing basically useless yeah and and, yeah. and it gets to a point where they have to turn down the music in big key moment battles so i didn't a lot of the new soundtrack i've only heard because i listened to it on spotify i didn't hear it in the game because the music volume is turned down so you can hear freya going it's still there aim for the weak spot <laughs> what are you doing kratos it's still there aim for the weak spot like yeah that's the reason i didn't enjoy the neathog fight is because freya kept fucking yelling the same three lines over and over again yeah because I, and, uh, and the developers know it's because of the camera and how restrictive it is you can't even turn to track some of your targets because they're moving so fast yeah yeah and, like i oh go yeah. ahead no no go ahead go ahead no 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 please 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 no i was just gonna say i i like the combat in this game a lot a lot a lot but when you get to the end game bosses and those like things that aren't a spectacle like the main bosses in the main game it's just it's just stupid like i i way more enjoyed the valkyries because it felt like a one-on-one -on -one thing i didn't feel like i was getting like hit from behind out of nowhere where i had to like dodge hit dodge hit like you guys were describing yeah like spamming the runic, runic attacks and you know um amplifying my cooldown um in this one that's all there was and and it just got really disappointing to the point where like i'm like do I, like some of the enemies i'm like i'm just gonna drop this down to easy just to get through this like sequence yeah. and like because it's not fun and it's not challenging me it's just 
stupid. It's just pissing me off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, Jason, I really liked your idea of at the, at, at the end, the it going back to like the old combat. Style. Yeah. That's my hot take is that the final battle of Ragnarok, they should have done a complete 180. It's like, you are playing old school fixed camera God of War the, and you see everything going on in the background while you're just mowing through a horde. That would have been something, such a baller like move. That, but that's like something that only like a game with like the confidence of like something like Nier would have. You right. Know? Where it, it, it would pull it would pull a move like that where it totally changes things up on the fly. But still, it's still balanced well enough that you can do it just fine. But this combat just doesn't work like that. And yeah. It, it it you know it's i liked this combat overall too when it worked but it's like final fantasy 15's combat it's really fun until something comes along that just breaks completely fundamentally breaks it um like something fantasy... with a something with a massively inflated health pool and three attacks that you basically are just watching it complete the attacks you do your runic attacks and and then you wait through yeah. the three windows and you're basically just doing that over and over again for three minutes straight there's no change yeah. up yeah that was yeah. like all the berserkers in the, in this game every single one and like some of them they all the, the berserkers were basically the same thing as the valkyries in in 2018 except there were more of them mm-hmm. and they realistically had the same attacks they just used different elements and some of them were artificial artificially difficult because they use mobs at the same time yeah yeah there was one that had two additional things fighting with it that were not easy no and i got like some of these fights i felt like i got by not because i not because i overpowered them but because i got lucky mm-hmm I don't yeah. want that in a combat system. You don't want to win because you got lucky. I felt like I could only get through those mob berserker gravestones when I unlock the runes from getting the rod the the rodents the ravens uh Odin's ravens um where it has like a massive AOE attack yeah. like either burn or freeze or wind and that's the only that's how I was able to take care of those berserkers. But like, why do I have to wait until I unlock something? to get through it that this is my problem like i should be able to do it based on my arsenal that i already have i shouldn't have to get this i should be able to use the runic attack that i want not the one that's most effective i mean we've we've talked about this before listeners and you've heard definitely heard me mention this on episodes past particularly the horizon ones this game would be far better if it just dropped all the rpg mechanics yeah. Focused on focus on combat. Focus on like character core character progression, like the like the original games did. You you unlock tools as you go, and you progress them through a very very simple experience point system. That's all you need. Like yeah. that's hardly even an RPG mechanic. This game would be so much stronger if if it was for that. Like it it would honestly like be my game of the year if it was streamlined in that yeah. way. If you didn't, if you didn't need to find a new thing to cover Kratos's nipples with, I was trying to keep a... them exposed the whole time, man. Let me tell you, I was like, gotta, Kratos does not wear armor. Okay, you got to level, does. you got to level the gear up all the way to level nine if you want to transmog it. So yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, but yeah, this is this is. Uh, I think this is something that we kind of said in the 2018 episode. So I'm not sure that we need to go into it yeah. too much more. Than no, I will say that it was definitely better in this game than it was in 2018 because at least uh, your armor didn't have like 
enhancement slots and you had like all these different enhancements to put into each piece of gear you had instead they just give you one amulet with nine slots and it's like okay all of them will just go into this one thing you're still gonna get a fuck ton but at least they all only go into this one thing and i'll tell you what i got three different sets of three and i put them on there and then i never changed them again for the rest of the game well and then you have to like unlock perks i don't even know what the perks are to like actually use them to their full effect so it just I don't know, it was too much. There's a like lot of even though like builds. there's a lot of yeah. like even the Berserker armor, which gives you this special runic attack that does a shit ton of DPS, the trade-off is that you're extremely vulnerable. So I yeah. ended up just running with the dwarven armor that focuses on making you a tank, giving you high defense, extra healing abilities, keep the stun, the most basic bitch thing throughout the entire game. I never changed. A lot of people, I know a lot of people really like Lunda's armor because it like applied poison and did more damage to poison enemies. But again, yeah, you're sac- then you're sacrificing vitality so that well, one mistake like, becomes more costly. It's just like, well, I don't want to have to worry about any of this fucking garbage. Like, why can't yeah. I just yeah. play a God of War game? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, like, it doesn't need to be like the Mega Man style that we had back then, but like, just let me let me upgrade just the core weapons and not every single armor piece not even armor set i don't want it just but have if- have progression focused on like new combos new and interesting combos you know mm-hmm. yeah maybe have like different combos where like you you do three hits with the axe and then switch to the blades and do a combo finisher with those you know lean more into the fact that your or the origin of your series was basically creating a devil may cry clone yeah. Um, where you can do stuff like that. It it's just a lot and it's really frustrating. How yeah. did you guys feel about the puzzles in this game? I'm oh, okay. Do we want to talk about how you barely get to solve the puzzle before your companion <laughs> gives it the fuck away for you? Yeah. Lots of backseating I, I found the NPCs. Mo- most of the mechanics were similar to the first game, so they were most of them were easy to figure out. And then the new stuff they added with the runic arrows was more annoying than anything else to me, at least. I feel like it was just like, for me, if a, if a pu- if all a puzzle consists of is doing one very basic thing to get rid of an obstacle. Then why have it? Forward. Like, say there, there's a barrel in front of you and you just need to use a soundstone arrow on it and then you can move forward. Yeah, why have it? If it if you if you if it doesn't take more than one step, why is it a why is it a puzzle that you felt needed to be included? I felt like they needed to strip that down like seventy percent. <laughs> there was way too much of that. Like, oh, there's this thing. Okay, I got to pull out this and like angle this, and it just like once again took away from the pacing of the game, especially when you're in Svartalfheim and uh, uh, actually Alfheim as well, and and then. Um, yeah, yeah, the yeah. reflections. Vanaheim. Oh my god, the reflections. Oh, those so... reflectors. Those yeah. are probably the only puzzle thing that I that I I genuinely had an issue with. Like overall, I'm okay with having puzzles in your game if they're interesting puzzles. But this game had a lot of puzzles that weren't interesting, and then it also had a lot of puzzles where I felt like I didn't get to figure it out myself. I would yeah. be looking at the thing that I had to do, and then Atreus or Freya or whoever the hell was like, "Hey, why don't you look at that thing over there?" And it's like, "What the fuck? What do you think I'm doing?" Like, yeah, stop. And, yeah, that um, should have been like an accessibility toggle or something. Well, a lot of people thought it was, but turns out like the puzzle timing thing and the accessibility menu was really just 
for like I guess like the Nornir chests, the timing of like when you ring a bell and then they 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 only are rang for like a certain amount of time. Yeah, you have more time to go get the. That's, oh, that stuff I should have put that on. Yeah, that stuff can just get frustrating for me at least because I know the solution. It's just figuring out the exact positioning of the character to make it in sequence. Yeah, and it can just get real annoying real fast. Yeah. I just felt like there was just too much of it. There were too many like barriers to getting to the next thing. And like every time I solved it, then I hit something else, especially in the like beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. I-, I think towards the end of the game after, uh, I guess, after you meet Anger Boda, that's when it started to get a little better. But before, I mean, I get it. It's like dwarves like do this, you know? So of course, if you're in Spiral Fime, you'll have to solve some sophisticated level of puzzle in the tunnels. But I don't know. I just... I felt like I was just constantly hitting too many barriers and I don't mind puzzles. There's just too much of it. And in a God of War game, I just don't think it's necessary. I feel like these Sony games are starting to like meld into like this really formulaic thing. Yeah. And the puzzle solving is part of that. I've kind Mm. of been saying this since God, I I almost want to say Ghost of Tsushima. Um, Yeah. All of Sony's first party games are starting to feel way too similar. Mm-hmm. And like I loved Ghost of Tsushima, but mo- that was mostly because of the, the the setting and the combat, the aesthetic, yeah, and the yeah, yeah. Like the, it, it present presentation wise, that game was fantastic, but it it's it it was starting to feel way too similar to all other Sony first party games, and that's only gotten worse with Horizon and now this, uh, e- even Ratchet and Clank to an extent, yeah. Um, which you know, me getting into Ratchet and Clank is like we could rant about that. I I could rant about that on a whole other podcast for the same time that it took us to talk about all this, because that's a progression. That's just wild to me, but yeah, this game, you can tell it's a Sony first party game and that's because they're all starting to feel way too similar to one another. Yeah. Um, but uh, the last the last thing I want to talk about before the final question, th- did either of you get to do either of the end game bosses? I've yet? watched them. I didn't do it. No. Okay. I, I want, I'll be honest with you guys. Once the I hit the credits, I like instantly lost any interest in continuing playing the game, yeah, which I think yeah. says a lot about the gameplay and exploration. I mean, granted, yeah. I did a shit ton during my playthrough. Yeah. So I ended yeah. up having like thirty odd hours into it because I did all the side content as I was going that you could do. But once yeah. the main story, the thrust of it was done, I was drained of any motivation to keep going. Yeah, because I hadn't gone off the beaten path, I was motivated, but that motivation like quickly dwindled as I went and realized just how repetitive it was, and um, like the like there was rewards for doing it for sure. Like we mentioned, there's some really core character information that you find, but that was just passing by. It wasn't like oh, I had to complete this quest or this side quest for that to happen. I just had to like kind of go in this area. So I wouldn't. I, I feel like they could have had those moments without all this extra bloat. Um, yeah. But I didn't. So I basically still have to fight the Valkyrie in Muspelheim, and I have to fight okay. the final Berserker. Okay. Um, good luck <laughs> <laughs> with with both of them. Um, King Rolf wasn't actually like too bad. It, it, again, the Berserkers are the exact same thing as the Valkyries from 2018. Um, Rolf is going to have the same basic move set, but he switches elements, all, all the different elements that all the other berserkers used. Um, but he, he was still tough and had a large health pool, so you know it, it's the same basic shit. Gna, 
fucking sucked. Mm. Um, she was not fun to fight against. She had attacks. Once you get to like her last half of health, she had attacks that basically give you no warning that they're coming. And she does a shit ton of damage with them. And it just felt unfair and unfun. And I, once again, it was a fight that I got really lucky. Uh, she kept getting stun locked by, I don't even know what was stun locking her. And I was able to get her health all the way down with that, with, with her getting stun locked and, and, and finished her. And that was on like, I don't even know how many tries. My 10th, maybe, maybe more. Yeah. Um, It just wasn't fun. I remember the Valkyries being so much fun and beating them. They were. And be- yeah. beating Sigrun at the end was like very rewarding. And this, mm. none of this stuff was. Yeah. It just felt so imbalanced and broken. I played on Give Me Balance difficulty the whole time. I didn't, I didn't, I, 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 I don't like to lower the difficulty, even if it means that I, I would just move me along. I, I don't like to do that. It's just a personal thing. Um, I don't fault anyone that does do that. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I for the whole game, I played on balance as well. And then yeah. when I started, when I was fighting like main bosses, like, um, like the dragons and, um the the, like berserkers and stuff i would put it back to normal because i felt like there were fights but then i started to realize that like it didn't really make a difference (laughs) like what made the difference was my gear and that's what bothered me Mm -hmm. so i was like okay so let me just like when i'm fighting like just mobs put it on easy so i can get through to the boss and then put it on normal and make sure i have the correct gear and the same thing with these final fights i'm like i have to get my gear to level nine because i beat the game at level four and so I had a like to like because I didn't do any side stuff and I had to I have to get my gear. I had to like grind to get my gear all the way to I'm not I'm still at eight. So like I'm, I feel like I'm doing all these things really under leveled where it feels like it's hard, even though I like have it on normal mode. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of it just wasn't. Fun. Yeah, there really isn't the opportunity for level one retching with a club, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anything else we want to bring up? We gotta, we gotta uh, wrap this, uh, wrap the show yeah. up. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to bring up before the final question? No, I think I think we touched on everything. It's just it, this game gave me an appreciation of the 2018's focus, um, and they really seemed to, you know, have an image, and they refrain from doing a lot of the extravagant stuff they could have. And in this game, it's I feel the complete opposite. It's weighed down by how bloated a lot of it feels. So a lot of the issues that may have existed in that one game feel much more um, imminent here just because of how many other problems are going on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I overall like do like how focused 2018 was in terms of like cleaning up. And and um, I, I do feel the character and the emotional moments in this in Ragnarok are a lot stronger. And I do think overall Ragnarok is like a better game. Like it's definitely more polished. Um, but I, I still feel like it's just falling into this formula. That's just not vibing with me anymore. Yeah. It lost the new factor that I, I think also 2018 had. Yeah. 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 I mean, even you, I, I was much stronger on that game the first time I played it when we, when I replayed it for our episode on it. Two I years could not, ago. I, I had to stop a few hours and I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. That, that, that was, yeah, that was when I, uh, that was when I realized, like, man, I'm I'm really seeing the cracks this time. Um, and I, I think that two year progression, I had really changed. I I'd gotten fatigued on that, on the RPGification of games, as I like same. To call 
I, yeah. I really it's something that really annoys me now unless it's actually an rpg which is what i said well, in the, yeah like the seven remake actual... i said that right. in the seven it's... remake review i you pick one that's my preference it, okay well i i you and i have differing opinions on that game's combat and progression but like uh, th- this is this is not an RPG. This game is an action adventure game trying to be an RPG, just like Horizon. And yeah. I don't like that. I really don't like that. It's unnecessary. Okay, final question. We got to speed through this. Uh, basically, just where do you guys think it goes next? Do we do we continue anything with Kratos now being uh like kind of the head of the Norse, uh the Norse lands, or do you think the next game stars Atreus? on his travels. I think they might do a like not a mainline God of War game cuz you can't call it God of War if you're playing as Atreus. Yeah. Um they might do some kind of spin-off with Atreus and like start a, a different series with him or or just a standalone game, who knows. Um but I, but I I don't see them continuing with Atreus in a God of War game. Jason, what do you think? Uh, I think that Sony Santa Monica would act like what they want to do, I think, is some, do something new to pull a oh, yeah, I hope games, so. I mean, to pull yeah. a Gorilla Games or a Sucker Punch. What will happen is I think they'll be forced to compromise and do something along the lines of what Delilah said, or maybe go to Egypt with Kratos. Who knows? I mean, I kind of wonder if uh, <laughs> I kind of wonder if they don't call the next one God of War, but have a title that kind of ties in with atreus's relationship to kratos to still to still like make it obvious that it's part of that franchise but obviously they can't that he's not atreus isn't a or the god of war in any respect he's the son of the god of war so like right yeah could they call him like god of, could they call the next one god of mischief right he's loki like i don't know but i i, I do think if i might actually dig game, a, stealth, a, a stealth game a loki stealth game i might actually dig that <laughs> that'd be that'd be interesting um yeah i i, I think with this game being a, the perfect conclusion to kratos story in my opinion continuing another having another game with kratos would kind of uh belittle that point mm. right um and, and and make that ending not as uh not as um impactful as it, as it was so it, yeah. it's weird because it's like a perfect ending for kratos but it's it's such like a short ending for everyone else like i feel like there's so much more that i want to know about these characters right and that's why i kind of feel like that with how much they packed in here and how much is left unanswered it's how do they can how do they transfer all of this stuff into another game that's supposedly leaving the norse lands to go to another place you know yeah how how do they continue those how do they continue those uh those threads there Mm -hmm. um how where does where do we go from here i just don't i i can't i can't visualize it i can't picture it yeah but okay jason kwasniki rating go all right not a, everybody don't kill me this is a, and keep in mind my rating Boy, system is one to ten with five being just average this is a good game but i've seen you know proclamations this is the sequel we deserve blah 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 like no <laughs> It's a good game. It's not a great game. I hold firm that 2018 was better. I would adjust my 2018 score to maybe an 8 or 8.5 from, I think I had it at 9. Mm-hmm. And I would give this one maybe somewhere around a 7. Okay. It has really great moments. 7, that seven get, what? Um, 
seven uh seven east world tree seeds i don't know um uh, i thought you were gonna say pokeball i did i did too i forget yeah i almost forgot it's been so long i almost forgot about that joke uh yeah you know it's it's good it's not great or in my opinion as good as 18 yeah okay i i, I respect it to be honest i i totally do um delilah what are you doing what are you up to Honestly, I got a new job, so uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but I have my full playthrough of God of War on my YouTube channel, uh, Assassina San. Assassina Dash. I don't even know anymore. Assassina San. That's it. Look up There's no Assassina. Dash or there, just, yeah. Just look um, up Assassina Dash San, Assassina underscore San, and Assassina San, and you'll find her somewhere. Yeah. And because yeah. it's like the end of the year, I'll be doing like my own personal game of the years and most anticipated games and all that bullshit. Yeah. And, you know, we got a we got a Game Awards bonus episode coming up in December. Yes. So look forward to that because we take off, you know, we're doing the same thing we do every year. We take off the month. We don't play a game for December. We just do a, a fun episode to talk about the end of the year, talk about the Game Awards, talk about what was announced and talk, talk about, about Doritos. You know, what, what games. Talk about Doritos and uh, talk about uh, our favorite games for the year. And man, I got some I got some hot choices to talk about. Um, my game, I, I I have a new game of the year pick, and all all of my favorite games this year were not nominated nominated for game of the year. And I'm honestly the choices that are there. This so year stay tuned exciting. for that hot take. Yeah, stay tuned for that exciting episode. You'll 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 hear it here. Um, Jason, you got nothing going on? No. Cool. All right. Good talk. Um, <laughs> you can follow me on on Twitter at Nibbleheimy. You can also follow me on Hive at Twitter or uh, on Hive at Nibbleheimy. And uh, in case Twitter goes under, uh, who knows what the hell or when the hell that's going to happen. You can follow uh, Delilah on Twitter at Assassina underscore San. And I think also on Hive at, under, at Assassina underscore San. Yeah. Um, if anyone's using Hive. You know, uh, yeah. And kind of. It's not a. It's I'll wait for so, Twitter to die to really use it. Yeah, but I'm there. Yeah. My username's secured. Not that anyone would take Assassinus on. Uh, you can follow Jason on Twitter at SolidQuaz, but don't follow him. He forgets he has Twitter, and soon Elon he might Musk not might have, have it anyway. Yeah, Elon Musk might have deactivated it for an activity. I don't know. Yeah, fucking <laughs> Christ. Uh, if you like this episode, please, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Please like the episode, subscribe to the channel, share with your friends, leave us a comment, tell us what you thought of the game. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Five stars preferred. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you didn't like. We really, really appreciate it. Please, please. The feedback is invaluable, and I really, really love hearing it. And we do appreciate you all sitting with us for three hours ragging on a game that everybody is praising right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Trust me, guys. I was really ready to love this game, and I As did was I. in some ways, and I also was very disappointed in some others. I loved um, it, but it was, <laughs> I was critical of it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised because um, you do seem to really love it, but you had a lot to say too. Isn't that end game content really put things in perspective? Yeah, it's, it kind of sours it a little bit for sure. Um, yeah, just make sure you share the show. If you're listening on Spotify too, I think you can rate us there. Please rate us. Give us the best rating you possibly can. It really, really helps the show grow. And if you love the show, you want it to grow. So leave us, uh, leave us the reception and stuff. Jason, what's the next game we're playing? crisis core and watch me love this game that i'm dreading to play 
<laughs> Watch it happen. You're not, you're not going to love it, but I'm so happy we're able to force you to play it. We're, we are playing Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII. It's a PSP game. It's a prequel to Final Fantasy VII. Um, so it, it, it's a PSP game, but it's also getting a remaster slash kind of like a remake uh, coming out this December. We'll be playing that. That episode will be out in January, so stay tuned for that and play the game and, and you know just come back to the show and in, in, in january and listen to that and listen wait out for the bonus episode next month there's going to be a bonus episode so or actually in a couple weeks from now probably when this goes live so yeah stay tuned for that and thanks for listening bye bye